This is Celtics Talk Radio, your weekly C's audio magazine. Listen as we discuss the latest news for the Boston Celtics. You can call us at 347-857-3545. Now, here's your host, Daniel, Igor, and Kevin. Hey, what's up, Celtics fans? Welcome to the latest edition of Celtics Talk Radio here on blogtalkradio.com. This is episode... 305, and again, I am your co-host, Daniel Camacho, alongside Igor Midic, and of course, Kevin Dixon will be with us in just a few moments. So again, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to discuss the latest information or latest uh, stories on the Boston Celtics. Well, Igor, the Celtics yesterday were in a game that has everybody talking and pretty much frustrated, which seems to be the main... uh, discussion in the main uh, way we can look at this team every week and every type of show we have in this case. The Celtics lost yesterday's game 108-92 in this case, making them go back to a 500 record of 25-25 and after they had won two games straight after beating the Washington Wizards 116-87 to this past Sunday. And then, of course, blowing out the Sacramento Kings 128-75 to at home in this case. And that made everybody think that this team, maybe something was going in the right direction. Maybe, you know, that uh, might be a sign that uh, this team can finally was finally going to wake up. And then, of course, that game yesterday again against Atlanta, twice in the fourth quarter, ladies and gentlemen, it's, the team was within one point of the Atlanta Hawks again in the fourth quarter one point before ultimately shutting it down and losing by 16 points in this case. So the Celtics sitting at 25 and 25, sitting in the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference in this case, which of course puts them in the second spot in the um, play-in tournament behind the Charlotte Hornets in this case, who are 28 and 22. The Toronto Raptors basically are – 23-23, 23-23, and 23, basically tied with the Boston Celtics in terms of games behind the first place, Brooklyn-Miami uh, Heat in this case. But, of course, the ninth spot and the Washington Wizards are sitting in the 10th spot. Your Eastern Conference standings, of course, have the Heat in the first place spot, the Chicago Bulls second, the Cavaliers third. Who, who would have seen that coming, basically, midway through the season? The Milwaukee Bucks fourth, the Brooklyn Nets fifth, the 76ers sixth, the Hornets 7th, the Celtics 8th, the Toronto Raptors 9th, and the Washington Wizards 10th. Again, the Atlanta Hawks, ladies and gentlemen, you're in this case 23-25, and and yet you lose to them by 16 points. So, Igor, we sit just a couple of days. That's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. You're just a little over a week in this case, about a week and a half from the NBA trade deadline, as the NBA trade deadline is February 10th, and now the mood is to blow it up. That's how everybody says it, Igor. Blow it up. Go on a go on a selling spree. Put all the players at 50% off in this case. And now try to focus on getting draft picks. Try to get uh, cap flexibility going forward in this case. The rumors say that the only players off limits right now for the Celtics are Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Robert Williams. 
but everybody else for the Celtics is basically on the table for any team to come and take them at this point, depending on what type of offer Brad Stevens and the Celtics will get back. So we will be discussing that, obviously, on this show with our special guests and any other um, basically trade talk that we've been hearing. We got audios in regards to the insiders and, of course, other people here in the Boston uh, sports market that have been talking it. So, Igor, any thoughts from you in this situation before we go to our first block? Um, nothing changed, uh, Daniel. Um, I want to say, and I will discuss, uh, I mean, uh, the Celtics uh, media and the Celtics fans uh, have been talking that uh, the Celtics uh, uh, resurrected in January because uh, prior to recent losses, they have won 7 out of 10 prior to the last night's uh, loss, 7 out of I have the article, is uh, is the Celtics uh, winning streak uh, uh, real or not? Uh, are the Celtics back or not uh, uh, at the page? Uh, about the trade deadline, I mean, uh, my position is the same. And uh, again, uh, this season for me uh, is already over for the Celtics. I know that uh, I sound harsh, but uh, you know, uh, my opinion is that we must save uh, the season not by doing some uh, blockbuster moves because I don't think uh, those moves are available and there is no player and there is no uh, big trade that can save the Celtic season uh, this uh, trade deadline I'm afraid. I think that uh, we should just uh, sell the veterans except uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and we should just uh, tank, or we should just uh, uh, try to hit the rebuilding um, uh, mode, not from the ground, but uh, semi-rebuilding, just like, um, you know, Phoenix did a couple of years ago, or Golden State Warriors did, and to get the, the top draft pick, uh, you know, try to collect the assets, because... Um, we must do the serious rebuilding, I'm afraid. We will see what will happen at the trade deadline. I say sell, sell, sell. I will explain during the show. Of course, uh, we have the good uh, blocks. Uh, we have Jeff Goodman, Bob Ryan, and Gary Tangway for the start of the show. Um, and Michael Felger, the fire starter, um, alongside uh, Mike Holly. So let us hear Daniel block number one, then we will call our guest Mike Dynan uh, from the Celtics blog. Okay, welcome to the Celtics pod here on CLNS. Bob Ryan is off. Jeff Goodman is here. The Celtics finally made a deal. When I saw on social media, Celtics make a deal. I was like, oh, okay, wait a minute. And then I read it and I went, oh, God. So, but I wonder... You know, the money surprised me with this. But anyways, the details. Hernan Gomez goes for Bol Bol and uh, Dozier, and it's a salary cap move, yep. as they're saying, right? So I couldn't and believe that Hernan Gomez. By the way, by the way, self-expense, you're not going to like Bol Bol as much as you like Taco Fall. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Bol Bol, like Taco was like the greatest dude ever. Everybody loved him. Uh, Bol Bol, there's some kind of question marks. He's uh, he's super talented, I guess is the right word, but 
Yeah, he's he's not much of a player. I, and so I couldn't believe that Hernan Gomez was making $6 million. I mean, that's a lot of money, I think, for him. But it's not about the deal. We know this deal is like whatever. Right. But they're starting to, you know, they want to clear some money. Is this the beginning of Brad retooling? I'm not going to say breaking it up and starting over, but retooling the team. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you've got it. Listen, you started that last offseason getting rid of Kemba, right? You right. did that, and it was a good move in a sense, but you still took Horford's contract back. Now, Horford's contract isn't uh, nearly as lucrative as Kemba's was, and, and, you know, again, they could probably move them. Uh, it's only, I think, half of it's guaranteed for next year. So you got to try to get rid of Horford. Uh, Josh Richardson's the one other guy that's on the books for next year at a decent price. So, again, not so easy to move. Schroeder's up after this year. You know, Langford has some more money, but he's movable. All these guys are movable, right? And to me, you just want to clear as much as you can to put yourself in a situation that you can add a third guy and have a – I'm going to use the, the term loosely here with big three. This isn't, this isn't Larry, Kevin, and Robert, okay? But, but this version of a big three, because this version of a big three that includes Marcus Smart is not good enough. We know it's not Marcus Smart. I mean, is Marcus gone? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you've got to try to move Marcus. And again, like, his contract isn't immovable, Gary, but it's not easy because, again – You've got to be a team that understands the value of Marcus Smart and need that, and need that because you can't just give him the keys and say you're our point guard. We've seen no. that this year. That doesn't work yeah. for anything more than a middle-of-the-road. Like, you've got Marcus Smart as your point guard with two NBA All-Stars, and you can't get out of the playing game. So nobody's going to trade for Marcus Smart and think that, He's more than he is right now. This is what he is. Robert Williams, to me, is still the guy that I think some people are probably intrigued with. And we're all intrigued with him. Okay, I shouldn't say I'm not intrigued with him. I just don't trust him. I, I, he's not consistent. I, you, you, need, you need trustworthy guys, and he's not that. So I, I feel like he's the one that you got to try to dangle. And maybe because somebody really likes Robert Williams – maybe you can unload another contract uh, with Robert Williams. The key is going to be, can you unload Horford? Can you unload Marcus Smart? And if you can really, really empty the cupboard with everything not named Tatum and Jalen Brown, all right, see what else you can. Listen, whatever else you bring in, Gary, I don't care. If you bring a third guy into that equation, a third all-star caliber player, I'm willing to say, you know what? Fill it out because whatever you bring in, is it going to be that different than Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Josh Richardson? No, Can't no. Can you find those no. guys, Gary, is what I'm saying? Of course. But, I mean, look, Jeff, the thing that I find frustrating, why they're sticking with this process so long, and, Brad, I, you know, I'm not going to trade anybody just for the sake of trading somebody. Look. They had Kyrie. He was supposed to be part of that big three. Didn't work. He goes. Then they brought in Kemba. So everybody buys into your philosophy. Okay. So Kemba didn't work. So you got to go. So you got to go find that guy. 
what, why they're waiting, why they're dilly-dallying. Why, I, I don't know what's well, going on. And maybe I'm just being an impatient fan. No, they're, they're waiting because I think Brad understands that's your, that's your best bet to go from here to where. He could get incrementally a little bit better if he makes a move now, but unless he clears all this space, right. you're not going to be able to bring in another really good player. I mean, can and, they get Beal? Is Beal out of – you're still big on Beal. Is that still a possibility? Oh, I love him. I mean, I would have done Beal for Jalen, but, I know. man, if you could ever bring in – I don't know if the money works, but if you could ever bring in Beal with Tatum oh, and yeah, Jalen yeah, yeah. Brown, then, you're, then I don't care. Fill out the roster like I'm saying – Fill out the roster with a bunch of minimum, you know, right. guys and, and, you know, find some other dudes that, like, you know, you can find a couple older guys. I mean, listen, LaMarcus Aldridge, right now, he was out, and he's doing work right now for the Nets. Like, why can't you get a couple, like a guy like that, or even a Blake Griffin on the, on the downside of his career, somebody like that, and then, you know, you, you can get some other young guys. I mean, you know, again, Aaron Neesmith. Let's see what he can be. It's too early to judge Aaron Neesmith. But, you know, to me, again, I think you've got to – I actually agree with Brad's philosophy right now. Rather than making a move midway through the year right now and getting a little better and getting to, like, sixth and then saying if we do that, that, that limits what we can do in terms of going after a really, really good player. I would say roll the dice, see if you can get that really good player, and try to get rid of a lot of these other guys uh, under contract, roll the dice, see if you can do it. And if you can't, you can still do the same thing you do. You're not going anywhere anyway this year. No matter what you do to make, to make yourself a little bit better, you're not right. going to go. So yeah. you can get out of the plan. Who gives a shit? You'll get killed in the first round. Right. Okay. Fair enough, Jeff Goodman, man of reason. But if this is the same team next year, I'm I, – I, 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 I don't blame I, you. This is this is where this is where it's on Wick. If this is the same team next year, then it's on ownership. No, so, they, you know, it it's on ownership. Be. It can't be. Well, you know, again, I get well, he's tired. going out of his mind. Wick's got to be going out of his mind. You would think. I mean, again, you would you would think so because it's not that long ago that we thought this team would be competing for an NBA title. I mean, Milwaukee. Yeah, they have Giannis. Obviously, he's at a higher level than Jason Tatum. They're both superstars. Milwaukee has Chris Middleton. They have Drew Holiday. They have really good pieces around Giannis. That's the key. The Pat Contons of the world, right? Like they got, you know, they they talk like they've just got the right fit around them. And that's where I think Danny missed. And I'm not blaming it on Brad yet because Brad has had a short time to be able to make moves. And I think Brad is so cerebral that he's not going to panic and make these crazy moves right away, even though he knows his team better than anybody. And he knows the league very well because he's coached against all these guys for a long period of time now. So I, 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 I trust Brad in a lot of ways with this, but I still want to see what he, – he's still hampered. He's hindered by some of the moves that Danny made because he doesn't have a lot of, of trade equity right now. There's not a lot there that he can move. So he's very limited – Right now, what he's able to do in this season, he, he's got to find ways to be creative, to clear some, some space, to hopefully make a run at somebody like a Bradley Beal or another star.
All right, according to multiple reports, the Celtics will be extremely active at the upcoming NBA trade deadline. There have been rumors surrounding basically everyone on the team outside of Brown and Tatum. He's reading Steve Bulpet online, the former Celtics uh, longtime beat guy, now writes online for TheHeavy.com, mm-hmm. said basically that they've been hot and heavy to move some of the veteran pieces blocking younger players like Pritchard, Neesmith, those guys have not been getting Langford, have not been getting on the floor as much because Ime Udoka has a lot of first-year coaches, Mike. Right. Like to, to want to play veterans because they want right. to win games. Trying to win every okay. game I can. I don't so, know how long I'm going to be here. Let me just play with my guys. Shooter, Richardson, yep. whatever. He's deferring to the older guys. Yeah. So blow out the older guys to get those younger guys more time, financial flexibility, and force Udoka to start developing some young players. Would you like that approach? Yeah, I think that's, what's, that's, that's what you're going to do. Everybody on the roster who's been mentioned in a trade – it, they probably want to trade them and will be seeking to trade them because r- right now you've got to assess who you are, Felger. You are a team that has two all-stars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You're a team that has played a lot of games over the last couple of years. You've played over 100 games, and you're right around 500 in, in the last 100, 100 plus games, 130, 140 games. So this is who you are. So stop trying to make deals. Hey, if I can, I'm one player away to get back into contention. You're not. You've got a core of Tatum, Brown, possibly Robert Williams. Everybody else is negotiable on the table. So I think they're going to try to trade uh, Schroeder. He's got a very tradable deal. Uh, contract. Mark is smart. Uh, it should be looking for a new home and maybe even Al Horford too. And the other thing I'll say quickly on this is that uh, I think these players and Ime Adoka has heard them. Uh, for the last couple of years, they've talked about, hey, uh, you know, this guy comes in, whether it's Kyrie or any other veteran or Marcus Smart calling them out, Marcus Morris trying to tell them how to play. They bristled at this leadership from these veterans. And so Udoka probably makes a case to them, okay, if you don't want veteran leadership, you've got to become the veteran leadership, and you've got to take ownership of this team, and we're going to clear the decks so the accountability is on you. Don't you think it's waving the white flag on the season? Uh, well, what is the season? I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, I, mean, I mean, I guess for whatever it is, but you are sort of saying this is truly a bridge developmental year, and we're not even going to feign I think, contention. I, I think you have to make the best deal because, in my opinion, they are a borderline playoff team with or without those veteran pieces, so you might as well see what you can get for them. Now, if, if you're buying people out, you're not getting good value, not getting like a first or second round pick for some of these guys, what's the point? But if you can get, you can, you can make some nice deals and still maintain your, your record, because I think that's what they're going to do, why not do it? Quickly, final, final thought. Bopet had a source in there that said, we're not sure if the last couple of games might change their mind. This is the first time, one of the few times all year, they've had their full lineup, all yeah. the starters, all the rotation pieces. When they have that full complement of players, I think they're now 9-5 and five as a record, and there's some thought that they might get duped into the last two games them thinking, oh, we can actually be something now. Do you worry about them falling into that trap? Are you falling into that trap? I'm not falling into that trap. You know, I was looking at, uh, you look at the Eastern Conference, you know, Brooklyn is a complicated situation, but, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia, Joel Embiid is playing like an all-star. Cleveland is better than I expected. Miami, I mean, so there, there's some teams in front of you that even if you continue to play well, if you match, you, you don't necessarily match up very well with them. And you're listening to the Celtics uh, Talk Radio, episode 305, NBA uh, trade deadline looms, who's in, who's out. Uh, let me first present uh, my pleasure um, that I have, uh, again, uh, my friend and friend of the show, 
from the Celtics blog, uh, Mr. Mike uh, Dynon, Celtics fan since 1965. Uh, he works with uh, John Corrales and the guys, uh, uh, Richie Jensen and uh, Quapt and the others at, uh, uh, you know, Red's Army site and blog. Um, he is Brooklyn native, CelticsBlog.com writer and Boston sports fan, and of course our friend here. So uh, at Twitter, Twitter handle at Mike Dynon, of course CelticsBlog.com. Uh, follow uh, his work. And Mr. Mike, my pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Igor. It's good to be here. Good to take a break from being out of my driveway trying to clear all the snow off. We're having a blizzard today. <laughs> uh, do, do you have heavy snow there uh, at your place, Mr. Mike? Pardon? Uh, do, uh, do you have uh, heavy snow um, yes, yes. Uh, there? Yeah. Uh-huh. Fortunately, so... I have a snowblower, but <laughs> I've been out there four <laughs> times already. It's snowing more now than it did this morning. So I hope it stops sometime soon. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, so, I mean, uh, uh, let us start uh, with uh, the last game in Atlanta. Uh, after after the solid uh, January run in which uh, we have won 7 out of 10 games and uh, after the people were uh, starting to ride the, the Celtics are back then, uh, Tatum and Brown finally start started to play well together and people started thinking that uh, the Celtics can uh, change indeed and by the way uh, in the first show of um, I think it was with you in January at the beginning of January uh, we said that uh, we are expecting uh, the Celtics to um, have run in January you know because a the Celtics uh, have favorable uh, schedule, one of the easiest remaining schedules in the NBA with a bunch of home games. And B, uh, the strength of opponents uh, um, is low. Other, other words, we have um, 500 or sub-500 uh, uh, teams uh, in January with a couple of uh, exceptions. Of course, uh, we had uh, really good wins like the win uh, against, uh, in, that, in that run, 7 out of 10. Um, you know, uh, we had uh, very good wins, like uh, the win against uh, the Suns. Uh, then, uh, of course, Chicago Bulls. Uh, now, I will not enter uh, into structure of those wins, to say that way. Uh, I will maybe do, do that later. I broke down that streak. Um, at uh, our Wibble Green page a um, couple of weeks ago. Uh, it doesn't matter right now. Uh, we had, like, uh, prior, to the, uh, prior to the Atlanta loss, uh, we had uh, two wins against uh, Washington. It was solid, really solid win against, uh, I mean, solid uh, team Washington. I cannot say that Washington is jug- juggernaut team. They are 23-25, number 10, play-in play, play tournament, uh, uh, to say that way, play-in tournament contenders, you know, like ESPN said. Uh, so, I mean, they are currently number 10, but uh, we defeated Washington in solid win uh, 
uh, at uh, their uh, home place, uh, uh, DC 116-87. Jalen uh, Brown, James Tatum played great. Another uh, blowout win, 128-75 against Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings without Fox, couple of other players, but never mind. Uh, it was good uh, practice for the Celtics players and uh, young guys. And then we entered the Atlanta, and then the old habits returned. We had 92, 108 uh, uh, loss in Atlanta. Um, and uh, I mean, nothing new about the Celtics' losses, I would say. Uh, another epic uh, collapse in the fourth period. Uh, so, question number one, how do you see uh, the Celtics in January? Question number two, how did you see the Celtics loss in Atlanta um, and collapse, another collapse in the fourth period? The Celtics are one of the worst teams in the fourth period throughout the whole season, and this is not by accident. Uh, now, the people are saying, Mr. Mike, okay, I mean, we played great, but the shoots didn't fall in. I mean, listen. I understand, but uh, uh, one game, shoots are not falling in. Another game, shoots are not, but 50 games, the shoots are not falling in. I, this is not possible, okay? Uh, I mean, uh, the Celtics are just not good shooting team. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, the Celtics are bad shooting team. When you look at statistics from uh, Georgia, 7 and 36 for 3, 19.4% for 3. I will repeat, 19.4% for 3. This is horrible. The Celtics are redefining the word of bad shooting team. I must find another expression for bad shooting because of those shooting nights for the Celtics. We shoot it 35% field goal, you know. So it is accident when you shoot bad one, one, one game, okay? Two games, three games, five games. But with the Celtics, uh, I, I said, according to the law of the big numbers, Mr. Mike, out of the 10 games, uh, even if you and I shoot, open shoot, 10 shoots, 30 shoots, in one of 10 games or two of 10 games, we will shoot 70% for three, okay? We will shoot the lights out, even if we don't practice. This is the number of the this is number of uh, big numbers low, right? Mm -hmm. But the next game we will shoot low because we are not professionals and because we are not practicing, right? And the numbers at the end when you, when you took uh, the middle the middle number, the numbers will fall exactly where you are. You know, 30, 35% shooting team. 40% shooting team depends on your quality, okay? And that's exactly what is happening with the Celtics. They had the games in which we are shooting the lights out. Uh, Phoenix Suns game, you know, Sacramento game, or I don't know, you pick the game. But the other games, we are falling into that average land or under average land, like in Georgia, and uh, when you put the sum of it, after 50 games, the Celtics are bad shooting team. And there is no doubt in that. Uh, your thoughts? Yes, uh, absolutely. You can't argue against that. I mean, uh, they they shoot not well. 
not well at all. And uh, you know, it, you know, the, the one thing that is is crazy is that they're so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And it's been going on for two years. That's why they are our 500 team for the last two seasons. But um, you never know which team is going to show up: the good Celtics or the bad Celtics, because. Like this past week, you could say, well, look, they won at Washington, and they they destroyed Sacramento. They were up 60 at one point against Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Well, Sacramento is mm-hmm. a bad team, and Washington is, is a better team, team, but they've been in a slump. They're declining. So, so you got, you got those two uh, wins. Like the uh, like the Minnesota game, where they had a lot of uh, the, the whole bench played and the whole starters were not able to play, and they won anyway over the Celtics. So you you take the Washington Sacramento wins, you're happy about that. But then I'll speak for myself personally. Uh, the the going into the Atlanta game last night. I had expectations. This was a chance for them to get a winning streak, modest three-game winning streak, which they've only had two of this year, and then maybe mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. go 4-0 and for the week. I mean, I don't want to get crazy, but it was possible, you know. And, Absolutely. And uh, I, had, I did it to myself because I had said uh, two or three weeks ago after a particularly bad loss that I was not going to have expectations for them anymore. I was just going to watch the games hope for the best, and not expect anything to happen in particular, you know, like not count on having a win. And then last night I did that to myself. I did count on them having a win, and they played terrible. And, uh, you know, the thing was, they were in the game. They they managed to hang around, and then they were within one point in the fourth quarter. And, you know, you know what happened. They uh, two Two times they had possession with a chance to go ahead. And in the first possession, it's 85-84. The ball comes to Tatum. He dribbles up the court, doesn't pass to anybody, shoots a three, miss. And then Atlanta got the ball. They didn't score. And the next possession for the Celtics, um, Jalen Brown, he had even a second chance, and he missed a three. And... Then they had a turnover, and then, uh, you know, they just couldn't make a shot after that. They were up, they were down one with nine minutes left, and they ended up losing by 16. And it's been like this all season. Fifteen straight points they, get, they gave up in uh, San Antonio, I think it was in November. They were ahead in that game, and they lost. Um, just, mm-hmm. It's just one game after another like this. And then they'll throw in a great game, and you think, maybe they can figure this out. But no, they go back to the same old habits. Because last night, that's what they did. In the fourth quarter, they were, they were bad. They were they uh, scored only 15 points. They had only 15 assists for the whole game, which is terrible. But in the fourth quarter, they only had one assist. So there's no ball movement. It's just isolation. Everybody realizes that this is not the way to play, and Jason Tatum after the game said as much. But 
while the game is on, they do it anyway. And that's how you end up shooting 5 of 20 and 1 of 8 on threes in the fourth quarter, and you lose going away. So I don't know what to do or what to think about this anymore because they haven't been able to – they might have figured it out or they might know what's wrong, but they have to make it – they have to implement what uh, is needed so that it doesn't go wrong on the court. We can't do anything about that. They have to do it, whether it's uh, Tatum and Brown or whether it's Ime who has to set the better tone or something. It's baffling, but it's been going on for two years, and I don't see any end to it. We'll see what happens tonight. They're playing in New Orleans. New Orleans is, um, has a bad record. They are uh, 18 and 30. And the Celtics just beat them at home. We are uh, a couple of weeks ago. Five and, half, five and a half points were favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Celtics should win. They should win they on should paper. Uh, on paper. But let's see. Let's see. You can't count on anything. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned the odds. If I was a betting person, I would have been. I would have gone crazy by now because uh, <laughs> how, do you, how do you predict what they're going to do? You can't. I'd you say can't. just stay away from them. That's a, that's a, they're a stay away team. Uh, well, uh, a couple of uh, informations about Atlanta game. Uh, the same old discouraging habits emerged. The Celtics 100 days, 92 loss. Uh, then the Boston dropped back to 500 again. Everybody was ready to go against another sub-500 team because Atlanta is 23 and 25 or 48% uh, team. Uh, you know... Um, who has plenty of work to do in the standings, just like the Celtics. Uh, yet the same old story played out. Uh, poor shooting. The Celtics shoot under 20% for three-point range for the fourth time uh, all season. Uh, so, uh, like I said, 90%. And mark uh, that leads to the NBA. Uh, outside of the smart two or four, no one shoot it better than 25% for three-point range. Uh, with the team's uh, all-stars, Jalen Brown, Jensen Tatum combined four of 17 for threes. Sloppy, isolation, heavy basketball, Boston ended up with more turnovers, uh, 18 than assists, 15 uh, in this contest against uh, 29th ranked defense in the NBA as the Hawks loaded up the paint against Boston scorers. And by the way, when I'm talking about that, uh, I think somebody said, Joel Embiid, I think, that against the Celtics, if you uh, loaded up the paint with your center, uh, you are just uh, in the pick-and-roll coverage, um, uh, you know, sliding your center at the paint. Um, and uh, uh, when you are uh, letting the Boston to shoot, uh, then you have the good chance to win. Once again, Jalen Brown, seven turnovers, and Tatum, Five turnovers, they have, uh, you know, uh, 12 out of uh, 18 turnovers uh, where the main offenders and the front of, of they attack the basket without match uh, of the plan on main, okay, or main occasion. Uh, fourth period uh, breakdown, despite plenty of ugly basketball offensively, the Celtics still found themselves into the game, trailing uh, by one midway, seven minutes uh, in the fourth. 
However, Atlanta went on 19-4 run uh, over the seven minutes plus stretch uh, as Boston's offense fell apart at, uh, at the seams yet uh, again in critical moments. Tatum missed the threes, Brown turned the ball over, and all of those uh, miscues quickly turned competitive game to blow out uh, with Ime Yudoka throwing the towel, three minutes to go by uh, pull, pulling the starters out. After getting outscored 28-15 in the final frame, um, Brown was blunt in the post-game uh, show. Uh, and uh, I will stop there. Do you have some, some comments uh, more about Atlanta or uh, to go away from, from that game? Maybe. Yeah. Um, well, about Atlanta, uh, yeah, they, they've been struggling this year. And they are still below 500, but now they've won five or maybe six games. I'm not sure which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a yes, row. Yes, yes. So they are figuring it out. They did the same thing last year. They were down in the standings. And then they had a good, like, second half of the season where they surged up into the top, I think they were fifth in the East, and they made it to the finals mm-hmm. of the East. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they figured it out, and it looks like they're doing it again. And I want the Celtics to do that, too. Uh, what's stopping mm-hmm. them from doing it? Because they say all the right things after the game, but when it comes down to it, then they don't do the right things. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's like, you know, what do, what do they think? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't I can't understand it. I don't think a lot of us can understand it. Um, so anyway, that's that's about Atlanta. Then, and uh, okay, understandable, understandable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I have just one more question. I will let uh, uh, the guys to ask you. I mean, I can ask you <laughs> many questions, but um, I mean, uh, I will let Kevin and Danny to speak more. Uh, we heard, we heard the, the different uh, uh, breakdowns, what the Celtics should do um, at the trade deadline. Uh, we heard Goodman. Uh, then uh, Bobran and uh, uh, what is his name? Gary Tangway, yes? Uh, at uh, the first audio, then we heard uh, uh, Holly and Felger in the second audio. Uh, now, Goodman said that he understands uh, kind of uh, what uh, Brad is doing, that uh, there is no uh, move. I mean, the Celtics fans Majority, I don't know what uh, do you think about it at the page. They think Felder uh, uh, was talking about it. Uh, I mean, uh, that um, that uh, the Celtics could uh, fall, fall into the trap uh, to buy uh, right now uh, to get a little better, to get um, into position like five or six potentially, maybe. Uh, then lose in the first uh, round and later not being able to make uh, uh, the big moves in the summer or the next summer. Uh, well, uh, he said that uh, he would understand uh, if Brad uh, stands the pet right now. Uh, and Felder said that the Celtics should uh, offload the veterans and kind of do semi-tanking. I mean, uh, uh, I don't know wh- how can you call this Celtics run. Uh, this is not tanking, but uh, 
whatever it is. He thinks that the Celtics should offload the veterans and, you know, do semi-tanking and uh, get uh, the pick. Uh, hit uh, the rebuilding button, not from the ground, of course, keeping, uh, like we heard, Jason Tatum, Time Lord, and Jalen Brown. Uh, what do you think uh, buy or sell is the best approach for the Celtics? And one note that Gary Vosburgh said something that is puzzling me, uh, quote, I don't think Gary Washburn at the CLNS Media said, quote, I don't think it will be uh, smart if the Celtics are selling uh, the players. Uh, the Celtics must be buyers, according to Gary Washburn, uh, because, uh, quote, it would depress the fan base. What, what does that mean anyway? But uh, never mind. What, what do you think about it, Mr. Mike? I think what it means is that uh, we've been hoping so long to get to the top, mm-hmm. and if you mm-hmm. now decide but, to, but to like give but away a my year, point is, my point is sorry for interrupting you, Mr. Mike. That uh, uh, Brad Stevens and the ownership, at least I'm thinking that, should do what is the best for the Celtics as a team, as a franchise. And who cares what the fans think? I mean, yes, they care because the fans are buying items and supporting the team, buying, uh, you know, uh, tickets uh, to the TD Garden jerseys, etc. But, I mean, uh, I think that the, the, the franchise and the management must do what is the best possible uh, for the Celtics' franchise to get back to the truck as quickest as is possible, uh, you know, right? Yeah. Well, I suppose, but Maybe um, maybe buying is the best way to go for the mm-hmm. team. We don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand what Washburn was saying because you don't want to follow the team and then have them give it give it away or give up on a season, especially when you have the Jays another year under their belt and it's going nowhere. That's I, I don't think that's acceptable. So, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't know. We don't know uh-huh. what's better. I would like to see them uh, get rid of a couple of guys, in particular Schroeder. Uh-huh. I didn't want Schroeder in the first place. I think I, I may have said that on this show before. Yes. And the reason yes, was because we knew that he would take time from Pritchard. And yes. that's what's happened. And I think uh, Schroeder, in the early weeks of the season, he played hard, and he was scoring a lot, and he uh, made a good impression on the fans. I think everybody thought, oh, maybe this guy is pretty good. But it's not been happening lately, and is there anybody who is not annoyed with this walking the ball up the, the court thing, walking the dog, you know? I mean, everybody's sick and tired of that by now. So everybody that I hear about it anyway just it would be the best thing for the Celtics to move on from him. Uh, I don't believe that he's going to stay anyway. He doesn't want to stay here because he could get paid somewhere else more when he has Absolutely. another contract. And I just don't think having him here helps. You could say the same about Richardson, but he's been a little more consistent. Uh, I mean, but, uh, he, he's, playing, he's playing well, Mr. Mike, but I don't think that Schroeder is the solution for the Celtics starting point guard, okay? No, maybe, definitely not. He, maybe he is the solution for the backup point guard, 
but do you really want to uh, play the Schroeder as your backup point guard, like you said, when you have Peyton Pritchard, who deserves more minutes, in my opinion? I mean, I, I don't think so. And when you mention Schroeder, I mean, I really wish uh, Ime Yudoka to abandon those uh, lineups with uh, Schroeder, Marcus Smart, um, uh, Beckert, especially in the fourth period. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, playing uh, the other guys would uh, uh, change the outcome of last night's game. I don't think so. But uh, when I see Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder at the same time at the floor, I, I really got stomach ache uh, watching the game. You know yeah. what, I, what I mean? They were out there together uh, when things started to go bad in the fourth quarter. It's tough yep. to play them together, yeah, because they're just not good good enough shooters. No, um, no, no. Another person that is struggling is Al Horford, and last Absolutely. night he, he was it was like a no show, complete no show. He played 16 minutes, he scored one point, and he didn't even have an assist. I mean, usually you can count on him if he's not scoring, he'll get a few rebounds or he'll block some shots, and, but. I don't know, the last three or four games he has been really doing nothing. I don't know what's up with him, but, um, you know, he would probably be featured in a trade if they do end up trying to improve their roster by, let's say, going after somebody from Sacramento, like Buddy Heald, then Horford would have to be in there for the salary matching. And right now it seems like it would be – Okay with me, uh, probably okay with a lot of people if uh, Al was traded because he's just not the way he he's just not the Al that we knew the first time around. Um, and that that would be that would be see, it's it's complicated. If you did that, would you be buying or selling? What would you uh-huh. consider? It? If you if you offload say the three veterans Richardson. Schroeder and Horford, and you bring in a younger guy like Buddy Heald. He's a veteran. He's a, he's played a few years, but he's still young. So, is that would you consider that buying or selling? I would consider uh, it buying. Mm-hmm. That they're mm-hmm. trying to improve themselves because they obviously could use someone who makes forty percent of his three-point shots. So. I, I mean, I don't know why, to tell you the truth, I understand the psychological effect uh, at the fans, but I don't know really why the Celtics are so afraid to make moves, you know. Uh, I, I think that uh, we should be braver to make the moves and totally agree with you. By the way, Kevin, uh, it is your turn. Mr. Mike Dynon from uh, Celtics blog is with us. Uh, so uh, go on, Kevin. Mr. Mike, how you doing today? Hey, good, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing good. I heard you talk about the snow there. Um, yeah, <laughs> you guys got – we were supposed to get some, but it it blew away from Pennsylvania area, so it got the, got the coast area. But stay <laughs> yeah, safe we didn't lock safe. out this time. Yeah, stay but... safe, stay warm. That, that, I've, been, I've been to Boston a couple of times when it's in the wintertime where I've seen the snow really bad up there, so uh, I kind of know you're feeling. Um, talking about these subjects. I have I have a couple questions for you. Um, in your opinion, who do you think is the most consistent player on the team? The most efficient player? Is that what consistent you said? Consistent player. Yeah, consistent. Oh, consistent. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Is there anybody? Probably Rob, actually. Was okay. My first 
first uh, name that came to my head, uh, Rob Williams. I mean, he's having a great season. Uh, if everybody was as consistent and productive as he's been, I think we'd have a much better record and be enjoying the season a lot more. Because uh, he's been out there, you know, he's it he, sometimes flies under the radar, but he's been uh, a, a solid guy. As long as he's in there, and he hasn't missed as many games this year as he has in the past, and uh, he's done what he's been asked to do. He's, he goes to the rim, he dunks on lobs, and he rebounds, and he blocks a couple of shots per game. And I wish everybody else was uh, doing what he could do, you know, in the, in regards to consistency. I agree with that. I, I think um, he, he even has a little tweener shot too, so. Um, he added that to his repertoire, which is good. Um, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get with Rob at, at the end of his last season, if we're gonna, if he was going to play um, the majority of games or he's going to be out because of the injury, injury problems that he's been going through. But I'm, I'm really impressed the way he's playing. He's played this season. Yeah. Um, you know, you know the Celtics, excuse me, uh, I just wanted to throw this in. The Celtics have a, the Red Auerbach Award at the end of the season, and it's supposed to represent, like, the player who – shows what it's most uh, like Celtic pride or what's uh, important about being a Boston Celtic. You know, the player best represents that. And I have a good feeling about Rob winning that this year. It's gone in the past to people like Smart and Tatum. But I think Rob is deserving. Okay, okay. Um, And that brings brings us to another question that you said. Um, Okay. Hopefully they'll come back to me. Okay, so now I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking at the Celtics and the wins and losses. Um, and I've always told um, Igor and Daniel and um, Andy that when Boston shares the ball, they play better. Um, the game against uh, Sacramento kind of was a blowout, but they had 32 assists in that game. The game against Atlanta, they had 17. Um, and most losses that they have, they average between 17 and 19 assists a game. Um, and and I, I'm trying to figure this thing out um, as a as a basketball player myself. If if you give the guy the open shot and he makes it, you're good. If he misses it, then you got. I mean, you still have to go to him. I think, um, regardless if you miss or not, because he's a professional basketball player. His job is to make open shots. Um, and, again, I think this is why we see um, Jason and Jalen force a lot of shots up like they did last night, which was uh, – I, I, at halftime, I turned the game over because I was tired of seeing isolation and isolation, isolation, isolation all the time. That just gets on my nerves. I don't like that type of basketball. Whoever invented that basketball, they need to be slapped in the face. Um, so, now – a, a, a Duke has to he has to bring this up in conversations. Would you think that say to them, you know, if you share the ball, we'll win. If you don't share the ball, we're not going to win. It's a proven fact that if you share the ball, we're going to win. I mean, Sacramento is they're a professional team. You know, what I'm saying even though they lost the game, like they lost it, Boston shot the ball well. Um, a lot of shots weren't contended, but they made the open shots. So, how do you? How do you think your Duke, your Doku is addressing the assist, the assist to wins, the assist to loss to this team? Well, you could do better. Uh, 
particular in the fourth quarter, because that's where the most problems are. Uh, to back up a second, you know, about assists, you know, it's the proverbial make-miss league. And uh, if you're not hitting your shots, of course, there won't be assists because there's no made hoop. So, like last night, there was uh, in that decisive run at the end of in the fourth quarter when Atlanta took control for the last time, there was a a sequence where Tatum had the ball and he went ISO versus Gallinari. And he took a three and he missed. And then down the other end, Bogdanovich for Atlanta, he took a three. And it wasn't a very good attempt, you know, like it wasn't a quote-unquote good shot because he was guarded. But he made it. And that's a six-point swing. And that was like the capper on that run. They had a 12-2 run that took a one-point lead, made it an 11-point lead, and pretty much the game was over at that point. And so, you know, he hit the shot and Tatum didn't. And so Atlanta got an assist and the Celtics didn't. So, But the, the more uh, distinct point in that is that in the fourth quarter, especially, that's where Tatum and Brown continue to do ISO, and Schroeder does it too, ISO uh, that doesn't work, and they can't seem to get around that or get past that and and move the ball for 48 minutes. I don't know why they can't do it, and I don't know why Ime doesn't make them do it. You know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard to understand, but it happens every every time they lose. That is a factor. And 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 looking at the games, I'm saying to myself, um, you know, at, at, at the beginning of the year, Tate, um, Marcus Smart called them out on it, you know what I'm saying? So they came back a couple of games, they they were passing the ball around. But I felt like they don't trust the other players to make the open shots. Um, but Grant's shooting well uh, when he's open. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, the other kid, um, the one you just talked about from Dallas, um, well, not Dallas, um, comes off the bench, number number eight. Oh, yeah, Richardson, Josh Richardson. Richardson. Um, he's, he's pretty consistent um, shooting the ball. But um, the problem I have with, with Jason and Jalen, like you said, in that scenario, um, it's a six-point swing. And when I used to coach girls basketball, and I would say to take the girls all the time, if we're up by nine, take a two because you're still up by ten. It's a double digits. I said, in their mind, double digits is hard to come, hard to, to get back than it is nine points. I said, because if you miss the three, they come and shoot a three, that's a six-point swing. Now they're only down by six. Now there's different – now now i got to call a different play because now we're only down by six. Well, we could have been up by ten, you know what I'm saying? But I, it was hard to get them to understand that until, you know, I set them down they start watching the film. I was like, yo, if you just step in. I said, you shooting the three, the ball's in the front of the room. If you step in, that ball goes in the room. We're, now we're, we're up by nine. Now we're up, I mean, we're up by eight, we're up by ten. Or we're, we're up by nine, we're up by 11. I said, so right there, they're putting their heads down because they're like, oh, my God, we're down by double digits. Now, in the pros, is completely different. But the same scenario, the same scenario is, is said in the NBA is, is in high school basketball. Um, just that 11-point lead ain't nothing in the NBA. You can get that down. You can get that. Within nine seconds, if you're playing the Golden State Warriors, 
they can get that down to three easy. But that's the part I don't get for them guys is that why you know I, I'm not a big I'm not a big um, fan of the three point line anyway. You know what I'm saying? Because now everybody and their mother that plays basketball from from um, the smaller kids, AAU, all the way up to the pros, think that they can shoot a three. And everybody can shoot threes, but they swear they can't, you know. And I think that's kind of ruined the game of basketball for for some fans, more me, more me less, um, when they do shoot the three and they can shoot a two, and that puts us up by nine. I mean, puts us up by double digits. And in that scenario, what you're just talking about, if he hits the two, we're good. But I don't, I didn't see the play, but I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it was probably a deep three. He sidestepped the deep three, um, and his hands probably didn't, he didn't fall through in the cookie jar, and that's why the ball came out. Because when he ever, when he falls through with the cookie jar, more likely his shots go in, um, then go out. You know, because I, I, I watch, I, I kind of watch him a lot shooting the basketball. So I, I, I totally get where you're coming from with that right there. My um, other question is, I, I know you talked about Schrader being traded. Um, so I think we all in the group are, are concerned about who who's going to get traded and who they're going to get back. And I remember talking to uh, Igor when the Boston Celtics drafted Jalen Brown and then go after Buddy Hill. And I said to Jay, I said to Igor, I said, yo, I like Buddy Hill and I like Jalen Brown. I said, that kid can shoot the ball. I said, it's not, I said, I said, I've never seen Jalen Brown play before, and I watched some of his film. I was like, okay, he's, he's going he's gonna to develop into, he's a good defender, but he got to learn how to shoot. I said, and that's going to take us a couple of years. But, but, but Buddy Hill was shooting the lights out of the ball when he came in the league. And I think that's where, I think kind of where Danny Ainge made a mistake by not drafting Buddy Hill at that point in time, because I, really I really wanted him. So if he does come to Boston, I think he's a, part, a piece that they actually really need because he could be that third scorer, um, and he shoots high percentage shots from the three-point line, which I love. I love his. I love his game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than Buddy Hill, who else? Who else out there? Let's okay. Let's let's say Marcus Smart's the point guard, but we need another point guard. Who do you think could be a point guard that we could trade for that 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 doesn't shoot first, but pass? That I mean, the pass first and shoots when he needs to shoot. Type of guard out there for for the Celtics right now. Uh, well, uh, let me, um, before I say, answer that, let me uh, go back to the subject we were on right before that. I just wanted to make a comment about that. Uh, okay. We are talking about um, the shooting, you know. And, like, I looked at Tatum the last three games. He had 50 points, you know, in the Washington game, 51. And he had 36 points against Sacramento. And he didn't even play that many minutes. And then last night he had 20. And each of those games he took a lot of shots, and about half of them were three-pointers. And in the first two games he was making them. He was on. And then last night he wasn't making them, but he still kept taking them. You know, why doesn't he – this is the, the crux of the matter. He needs to then adjust and start attacking the basket every time instead of – Dribbling outside Amen. the arc and setting up the the three. Amen. And why they don't? Why he and Jalen the same? Why they don't do that? We talk about it every time they lose, and 
they still don't change it. But anyway, back to your question. Um, well, the, the one point guard that I keep hearing about, and I'm sure you did, as being available is uh, Colin Sexton from Cleveland. But I don't, he didn't strike me as a pass-first kind of a player. But um, when he's healthy, he's pretty good. I don't I don't know, really. I mean, I'm not as concerned about the point guard as about the shooting. I think Neesmith is, when they drafted him, they thought he would be the next Buddy Heald. You know, because he was, a, he was a, pretty much a, the top three-point shooter in college, from what I understand. And now he comes to the Celtics, and like so many other players that they've drafted in the like late, mid to late first round or the second round, you have high expectations, and then they just don't get it done. And it's hard for him. I understand he he gets jerked around. He doesn't know if he's going to play. He doesn't know how many minutes he might get. He might get none. And then the next game he might get twenty. So that's that can't be easy to play under those in that uh, type of an environment where you're not sure what it's going to be from one game to the next. Um, but if he could if he could find himself, if he could be another Kevin Herter or um, Duncan Robinson, you know, one of those guys, just it's all you have to ask him to do is just consistently make a three-pointer, 40%, 39%. And so far he hasn't done it. If he could do that, then that would solve a lot of problems. But if you're not sure or if he isn't showing enough signs that he is doing it, I think you need to go after a guy like Heald. And I don't know why Sacramento isn't just blowing it up. They're terrible. He saw the game against <laughs> the Celtics. They, they were brutal. They were missing a couple of players, but you don't go down 60 points. That's unbelievable. So. Uh, what are they holding on to their guys for? They just they should start over. They're yeah. going to get their own draft pick that's pretty good. I mean, why not just go for that? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't it would help us good. if I, they would just give up. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I wasn't a big fan of uh, of uh, Walton being the coach anyway for that team. I didn't think he was a good fit for that team because um, Buddy Hill kind of he, he, he digressed under his tutelage, um, which was really hard for me to believe because I'm like, I'm looking at this guy play, and every time he comes to Boston, he be kill, he kills Boston. He kills them. Mm-hmm. Every time he plays, he kills them, you know. And so I don't think that was a good fit for him. Um, and maybe, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that's, that's t- maybe tired of losing and maybe want to go somewhere else. Um, I mean, you know, look at look at Oklahoma City. Them guys are setting this stuff up for um, – a draft day frenzy in the next couple of years that's that right. they're going to do, you know, they're going to do some great things with, unless unless we can get Paul, unless we can get Paul, uh, uh, Paul Press, I mean the uh, GM Presky from there to come to Boston, I would be happy with that one right there. But um, Mike, that's that's all I have for you. I'm gonna let um, Daniel take over from this point on if he's ready to go. Thanks a lot, Kevin. So, of course, we have about maybe uh, 10 minutes or so left uh, before we let Mike go here. So, Mike, uh, quickly in this situation, uh, again, we have only about a week and a half to go in this case before the trade deadline in this case. And, of course, 
you are currently sitting eighth in the Eastern Conference. Again, you know, three games behind the Charlotte Hornets. You're technically tied with the Toronto Raptors, even though you've played uh, four games more than them. In this case, you're 25 and 25. They're 23 and 23. And the Washington Wizards, of course, are a game behind you. They're 23 and 25. And, of course, I don't think anybody would have expected that at this point in the season it'd be the Miami Heat, Chicago Bulls, and Cleveland Cavaliers who would be the top three in the Eastern Conference, while the three teams everybody would have thought would be the best teams, the Milwaukee Bucks, Brooklyn Nets, and 76ers, are the four, five, and six seeds. But knowing that you have a week and a half left to go, and you currently in this situation, if you were to look at the date, again, February 10th is the trade deadline, you have in this situation – Six more games left to go. You got a game against the uh, Pelicans later tonight. A game against the Miami Heat on the on Monday, Wednesday. You got a, a game against the Hornets. The next Friday against the Pistons. Then next Sunday the sixth against Orlando, and then a matchup against the Brooklyn Nets. How many games do you think this team can go out of those uh, six in this situation before Brad Stevens finally has to make a decision? Many seem to think that maybe they haven't made a decision yet in this case about whether they, you know, want to actually trade, you know, trade their pieces for players to actually make a playoff run. Others, and whether or whether to basically, you know, sell the pieces basically for picks and flexibility. If right. that's the case in this situation, that they truly haven't made a decision, which in this case I would say we're in trouble, my boy. You know, because that basically means that. Brad Stevens is a lot like Danny Ainge, you know, a general manager who just can't make up his mind in this case. You know, how many more games do you think you can go before you really have to make a decision and choose one path or the other and stick to it? Uh, it's a great question. I love that uh, perspective. I, I wouldn't have thought of it, about it that way, but uh, which, I'm looking at next week the Miami and Charlotte home games. Miami on Monday, Charlotte on Wednesday. I mean, if they, if the Celtics could be, win those two games, then that would be tremendously encouraging and a reason to want to continue to improve the team. You know, be a buyer, not a seller. Uh, so, so maybe that, maybe after the Charlotte game, you see what happens in those games. Plus New Orleans tonight, and that might give you an idea of what to expect. I mean, if you are, even if you don't win, but if you're close and you can see maybe if we had somebody else who could knock down some threes for us, you know, as an example of what you might be looking for, if you you felt like that would be the one thing that could make the difference, then you would probably want to be a buyer. And especially if you can get somebody like a Heald, who we've talked about all the time for the past couple of seasons. He's been on the radar for everybody. So to answer your question, I'll say after the Charlotte game. Because beyond that, they play Detroit and Orlando. And I don't know what you're going to get out of that. that You should win both of those games. And if you want to wait and see what happens there, and if you happen to lose, boy, that could change everything. So I'm going to put the stake in the ground for after the Charlotte game. Okay. And then, of course, uh, you know, one of the audios we will play for everybody is uh, Rip Hamilton, who uh, was giving his thoughts on the one of the players he thinks the Celtics should go after. 
in this case, he feels the Celtics in this case. I know you said that, uh, you know, you don't think the uh, point guard position is really a position that is of really big need at this point in this case. But he feels the Celtics would be a little bit more better off if they were to trade for Jalen Brunson, in this case of the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Jalen Brunson, as of right now, averages uh, 15 point, uh, average 15.8 points in this case thus far, 3.8 rebounds and 5.6 assists this season. And, of course, uh, he's basically got an expiring contract, so he makes uh, only about uh, less than $2 million this season. So it's not like he's basically making a real-time, you know, contract, big contract, and you're going to have to basically give up, you know, a ton of money in this case. So, you know, based on the what maybe a little what little bit you might know about him in this case, what would you say about that as a possible trade uh, partner? Uh, that's a good possibility. Uh, I I do appreciate the need for another point guard. I just thought it was uh, more pressing to have more shooting than the than change than a uh, a different point guard right now. But uh, Brunson, yeah, he, well, I can think of a couple of games where he's killed the Celtics. And he uh, has somewhat of a connection to Boston because uh, I think his dad was from Boston. His father um, played in the league and was with the Celtics very briefly. And, uh, yeah, he's he's an effective player. Uh, if I don't know why Dallas would want to get rid of him, but maybe they don't need him. I'm not really sure about that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that would be a good possibility I would support that especially if they can get it done without giving up too much like you want to trade Dennis Schroeder for him that would be fine with me <laughs> yeah so then I guess the final question I can end up uh, giving you so of course the big big question which is the one we've been asking the members in the group in this case you know the topic has been if you trade your players away Pretty much, it's, it's that you're waving the white flag. That's basically it. You're waving the white flag on this season in this in this case, and pretty much looking to next season at that point. You know, and whether you're going to basically uh, look to try and make a move to get the get back into the running next season, depending on who you know whether you get the players at the trade deadline this season that are going to be your centerpieces for next year. Or if you try to get um, cap flexibility in this situation to maybe make a major move in this in this case, you know one of the big names of uh, Vankarek has been uh, the possibility of making a move for Bogdanovic uh, to try and get uh, his um, contract because it would expire in this situation after next season at a time where a lot of the Celtics uh, contracts are going to expire, like Horford's deal would expire at that time along with many others. And at that point, the only players on this team would be Tatum, Brown, and Time Lord. If you were to basically deal Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder for him, and of course that's been one of the rumors that has been out there on social media, those two guys for Bogdanovich. So if you had to basically, if you were the general manager for the Celtics team, what is your preference? Do you trade for, for a player right now, or do you basically trade for draft picks and um, flexibility going forward? Well, I don't want to have to go through another rebuild. This is me personally. Uh, maybe that would be the best thing for the Celtics, but I would hope uh, as an individual that they would not do that. I would rather see them 
try to uh, improve the roster and come back, even if it's to come back next year, stronger. Uh, I just don't have the desire to go through, like, tearing it down and starting over. Uh, and uh, as I think I said earlier, I don't want to have a year, another year, where you have the Jays together and you don't do anything to improve the situation. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. So I am in the buy camp. I want to, I want the Celtics to make trades in the next week and a half so that they improve themselves instead of uh, just mailing it in or flushing the season down. Uh, I don't want that to happen. Uh, it might be because I'm older and I don't have that much time. I don't know. but <laughs> I mean, I can't wait forever. Come on, guys. Let's go. Get better. Uh, trust me, I think this is, I don't think it has anything to do with uh with old in this situation because <laughs> you got you got people like me and Gordon Kevin in this situation who have shown ourselves to be impatient and I trust me, I'm only 31 years old in this case, <laughs> you know. So you got plenty of people in my in our group who seem to get upset with us because we're showing that we got a lack of patience in this case. So yeah, I, trust well. me, I don't think age has anything to do with it. <laughs> I don't think it's a problem to have lack of patience. I want to have something happen. I want them to be better than they are. And let's get it done sooner than later. I totally agree. So, again, Mike, I would like uh, for you to let everybody know where we can find you. Um, yeah, I've, I've been uh, contributing to Celtics blog. Not very often, but I do an occasional uh, game write-up. And I chip in on uh, sometimes when they have a round table. Uh, on t- any particular subject, um, but I'm on Twitter at Mike Dynan, M-I-K-E-D-Y-N-O-N, and I'm always uh, looking to talk Celtics and Boston sports. So, if anybody wants to uh, hit me up there, I'd appreciate it. Okay, so Mike, thanks again for joining us. And okay, guys. Just out here in this blizzard, buddy. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate being on, and uh, take care. Let's go Celtics. All right. So again, ladies and gentlemen, that was our guest, Mike Dynan. And we will now go to block two in this case, which will include uh, Felber and Holly talking um, smart for flexibility in player. Again, just the same topic I was discussing with our guest in this case, along with a couple other audios in this situation. We will be back with you in about the uh, 15 minutes or so in this case as we will take you right up to game time between the Boston Celtics and the New Orleans Pelicans. A 53-point win over the Sacramento Kings. All right, Tatum uh, and Brown, nearly a one-man team for the Celtics. Boston's two stars combined for 66 total points. The Kings, uh, as a team, managed just 75. And, and before I talk about the Celtics, Felger, like this is a bugging me this for my life. You know, the Sacramento Kings, it's just amazing how some franchises just never figure it out. Never. I don't know who their equivalent is. Like, old school would be like the Quebec Nordiques. Like, like a, a, a ton, a ton of first-round picks. Number one overall, number three overall, number five. And they just never get better. Just what a pathetic so, franchise. There's a pathetic franchise, a pathetic team that also quit. And yeah. so it's Along, like, Probably like two months ago. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a useless game in terms yeah. of the Celtics. But I'll say this. The Celtics have played a lot of bad basketball teams this year and lost to them. That's right. They've had a lot of big leads against a lot of bad teams and lost. So tonight they had a really big lead against a really bad team 
and pulled away, which they haven't done a ton of this year. So if that means progress, then that means progress. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, to that point, so they do this to Sacramento. Sacramento is just clueless tonight. They look like a team that was not just uh, familiar with professional basketball. But they did this to Sacramento, and they really did it in the previous game against Washington. Mm -hmm. well, you know, they, they, they had a lead on them, and they kind of accelerated and put that team away. So what does that mean going forward? I'm cautious. I'm cautious before I step into the paint there. I'm very cautious about the Celtics and what they're able to do. But so far, it looks pretty good. Are you impressed? I know, you know, 50 points for Jason Tatum, that gives you the whee! Yeah, I don't care. Uh, okay. But are, do you like the way Tatum is playing? Not, forget about the points. Now he's actually making three-pointers. Yeah, okay. So yeah. that's nice that the shot's going. He's actually making a shot. We all thought that it would, Mike. You know, I, I've actually liked the way he's played in terms of sh spreading the ball. You know, th this was an issue on the team with him and Brown, and the ball sticks with Brown more than Tatum. I think the ball's moved more with Jason Tatum. I don't know where his rebounding numbers are historically uh, against, you know, what he's done in the past, but it feels like he's been good on the boards all season long. So I... I think he has come around to the team basketball thing more or before Jalen Brown. Maybe they're both now catching on. Again, you're just going to have to see more games against better teams and then putting it together against those kind of teams before you can give that analysis. What, what I'm looking forward to for the Celtics, I, I think, get through the all-star game process because it's, it's so obvious how important it is to Brown and Tatum. And it's like, right. I, I, unfortunately, I think it's like more important to them than it is team success. And they're still at their stage of their young careers where they just have the wrong priorities. So get through the effing all-star game process, whether they make it or not. Just get that thing over with. And now the trade deadline's creeping in. You're hearing yeah. names like Marcus Smart and whatnot. And so I think they got to get through that as well, too. So still, there's still some turbulence ahead, I think. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the, trade, uh, the trade talk because sometimes guys play well because they don't want to be traded. So they'll show the coach, hey, I can do what you asked me to do. Hey, look, look how I've been playing lately. Keep me here. Uh, and sometimes guys start playing well because they do want to be traded. So I'm wondering what the Celtics would do. And I'm looking at their backcourt, looking at two guys in particular, Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart. Smart's a more polarizing guy here because of the history. Would you trade Marcus Smart if the only yes. payoff you could get, uh, if the only payoff you could get is financial flexibility? Yes, 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 I would. Absolutely. They have to clear the decks. They, they, I, I, I think Marcus Smart is an impediment to Brown and Tatum because Marcus Smart thinks he's on the same level as Brown and Tatum. He carries himself as a member of the big three, ego-wise, uh, mouth-wise. And I think that if you really want to make it Brown and Tatum's team, you clear the decks. And so there is uh, addition by subtraction coming there. But that, that's what I was going to ask you. So the reports are Marcus Smart is drawing interest in Dallas. Yeah. Do you want a player back or do you want picks and flexibility? Uh, you know what? I, I think I want flexibility because I think... What they've been trying, I, I don't think I do it. I know I want flexibility because I think the Celtics' problems uh, kind of are, are rooted in trying a, a response. You lose somebody, let me just try to replace them, and it's always like a less than, like 65% replacement. And so they find themselves with all these exceptions, and then all of a sudden you don't have a team. I think they just need to make a decision and say, look, we'll take draft picks, we'll take financial flexibility, we'll reset a bit on the margins and keep our core uh, with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams. Okay, yeah, the pillar. All right, <laughs> 17 rebounds tonight, right? The Celtics cruised to a 53-point blowout win over the Kings last night. It was their second straight win. It was also the second largest margin of victory in franchise history. Jason Tatum scored 36 points, and Jalen Brown added 30 of his own, with both sitting the entire fourth quarter. So that was over three quarters. The Seas have now won seven of their last ten.
10 games. But one of the main reasons for the Celtics' back-to-back wins has been the return of Marcus Smart to the lineup. Smart has just 12 field goal attempts and 13 assists, though, over the last two games. He was a plus 36 in each one. Ime Udoka, Jason Tatum praising Smart's play after last night's win. Setting for us, the guy who's been doing that for a while now. Uh, it's great to have him back, obviously, with the full roster. You know, it feels like we can come in, in layers and waves, so to speak, with all of our guys back off the bench and guys kind of in the normal role that they played earlier in the year. So uh, we don't have to rest and guys don't have to take those breaks on the court. His defense obviously is high level, but also organizationally getting us into things that we need, uh, pushing it with pace. Uh, the pace we played at tonight was great, and he's a huge part of that. Whether he, you know, is putting the ball in the hole or not, you know, he knows how to impact the game. Um, and he's been doing it for a very long time. So... Obviously, you know, we're a better team when, you know, he's out there, um, you know, just getting stops and, and making plays for other people. All right, time to play a little game of buy or sell, and we begin with Chris Forsberg and some Celtics talk. So, Chris Forsberg, buy or sell, Marcus Smart. Look, come to Jesus moment. He is a changed man. He's doing everything the Celtics want him to do so he can stick around. So I, I, I'll buy, but I, I don't think this is like a last two games thing. I think he's been pretty good the entire season now. Certainly they've had injuries and he's felt the need sometimes to go outside of that that new way, right? Like then still get up a lot of, of shots. But I think he also recognizes he as much as anyone has struggled with his three-point shot down to something like 30.7% on the season. And that's an area you'd love to see him improve in. But nights like last night where he just is okay playing defense, pushing the pace, Passing up a good shot to get a great shot is the Marcus Smart that this team can ride forward with and who could be the, the uh, a core piece of this team. And I'd like to see it over a larger stretch against better opponents and, and, and really show me that he can accentuate the talents of the Jays. But uh, especially the last two games, it's uh, it's been a little bit remarkable because um, while I liked a little bit of the glimpses of Point Tatum while while Smart was out, it, it just really opens things up at times to have a playmaker like that on the court. Well, you mentioned, could he be a core player on this team? You wrote about this today on NBCSportsBoston.com. So buy or, sm- buy or smell, buy or sell. <laughs> <laughs> Is it time to trade Marcus Smart? Because even one day after this performance, you were still like, well, maybe it's like a good time to ship him out. Hey, I'll smell, I mean, sell on that one. Uh, so here's the thing for me. I understand the, the conversation, right? Marcus Smart is the Celtics' best tradable asset. You're not trading Jason. You're not trading Jalen. You're not trading Robert Williams. So Marcus is about as much value as you have out there because you haven't developed your younger guys, which is a, a fault of this organization. But um, can you get enough on the open market to justify trading someone who might be sort of the backbone of your defense, someone who has been the longest tenured player and who brings some value to this team. So um, I don't think they're going to find a deal that will make them jump at it. I think they're going to hitch their hope to the fact that this team is playing better basketball and that Marcus Mark can be part of uh, maybe getting them to play more inspired in the second half of the year. And let's see where that takes them. Uh, but certainly you have to listen to everything that's out there. And if someone does throw a first round draft pick out there, it does make you think a little bit, but my, my gut tells me right now it's a no. Chris Mannix, Amina Smith here with you. And the Celtics fall to the Hawks 108-92. to And it looked like the Celtics, they had a chance in this matchup, Chris Mannix, to win this game. But big picture, what did the Celtics show you out there on the court tonight? 
that they can play one good quarter of defense in a game like this. I mean, that's really, to me, where this game was decided. For three quarters, first, second, and fourth, the Celtics were pretty bad defensively. Then the third quarter came around, and they were brilliant. It's what got them back into the game. They just weren't able to sustain it going into the fourth, and... Here we are. Another tough loss. Yeah, and the Celtics, just like you mentioned, in that third quarter, they were able to get back into it. They outscored the Hawks 30-18. to 18. What did they really get right in that third quarter to really give them a chance? Well, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown got it going, both three for six on the floor in that quarter. They were attacking the basket, going to the rim, getting easy buckets. And Jason Tatum got that three-point shot going. Uh, in that period, he was making buckets and Brown using that athleticism to get to the basket, not settling like we've seen these guys do at times before. They just got hot. And I think a lot of that defense translated into good offense. They were going to have to take the ball out of the bucket every single time down. They were able to get easy opportunities. They took advantage of it. And when you talk about that defense, I know at halftime you wanted to see more out of that Celtics defense. Just what adjustments did they make coming out of halftime? I didn't see any big adjustments. It's just mm-hmm. that they were playing with the kind of defensive intensity we're used to seeing this team play with over the last month or so. Remember, they're number two in defensive efficiency in the month of January, top five overall this season. I know Atlanta is very good offensively. Trey Young is a brilliant offensive player, but what you saw in that third quarter where the Celtics clamped down, they held the Hawks to 18 points. That gave me reason for hope going into that fourth quarter, and then it just kind of unraveled. Give credit to Atlanta. Again, a very good offensive team, but I saw two versions of the Celtics in the second half. I saw one in the third and a different one here in the fourth. And in the fourth quarter, the Celtics, they came within 1.2 times. They had a chance to win this game, Chris Mannix. Just where did they let go of the rope? I mean, again, just on the defensive end of the floor, they let it go. Let Trey Young get off, get the momentum going to the basket. This guy, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovic, killed them. Danilo Gallinari destroyed them Mm. in this game. He was all over the place. Uh, just didn't get the kind of consistency that you needed for this team to be successful. And when you talk about this fourth quarter, and we talk about this all the time, the Celtics not being able to finish games, does it just come down to aggressiveness and just, you know, making sure that they get the job done? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of that. I mean, but it's they're just all over the place in this game. I didn't see... I just didn't see this type of consistency, especially defensively, for them to earn a win like this. And well, Scal, obviously joining us here on the desk, Scal, what did you see? You just arbitrarily, you just decide. You weren't supposed to come out until the next segment. Scal just strolled up in here, grabbed the chair. He's like, I'm going to sit down and talk about tonight. There's a guy game. that runs this place. <laughs> I looked at him and he said, mm hmm. That, is that exactly and I what see, I That's all I need. What do you think I need? I see out the corner of my eye, Scal just grabbing a chair, just slowly rolling it over. I'm trying to pay attention to what Maddox is saying. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So we got, we got Snowmageddon coming, and yeah. I got to get out of it. I got to get out of here. Wait, what about the rest of us? Not, aren't you guys staying in the hotel? That is true. Yes. No. 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 You're going back home? I'm going home. All right, so I'll tell you, like, uh, when, they, when the Celtics made that run, it, it was a, a combination of stopping Atlanta at the rim and then getting out and getting some easy baskets. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, I thought that sort of changed the third quarter. And when they defended the rim at a high level, then they were able to get out. But I don't think we were going to win this game. Trey Young was just sort of like, I don't know, toying with us at a certain time. And okay. then he just went to another level, as you saw in the fourth quarter. Now, what happened, like, with the difference, like the first half, when Atlanta shoots 50% from the floor, 40% from three, they come out in the start of the second half, and it's like a different mindset. They sure. had defensively locked in on Trey Young, on the sure. mm-hmm. on Gallinari. But how they tend to let 
go over the rope at times is maddening because they shouldn't be giving up. I don't know what the final numbers were in that fourth quarter, but I think it was like 30 to 18 or something like that, some, mm-hmm. some big number. They just let go of the rope there. That's what drives me crazy. If they miss shots, I kind of understand that at times. They're not a great offensive team. They can be, and we do this all the time, be a great defensive team. They just, that fourth well, quarter, they let it go. Today, let me ask you just with John Collins by himself, we didn't have an answer for him. No. Like, what they would do, so throughout this game, they would switch. And then you'd have a matchup, and Atlanta would go to that matchup. That matchup today was John Collins, and John Collins worked us in the third. So the rest of the guys were resting, like Trey Young. And then in the fourth quarter, that's where they went to. So even though we are a good defensive team, collectively, because we have versatility, when they have something that they can go to, it's going to be like we have to shoot the ball well if John Collins is working us in the paint the way that he did. But also, we know that this Hawks team, they aren't good defensively. Why weren't the Celtics able to take advantage of that? Well, our problem, we have a, we have a big problem with shot-blocking centers. Okay. You know, like the – so you have to – here's the challenge with that. And so if you said what is the biggest challenge with the Celtics, mm-hmm. it's – in my opinion, it's making the decision – with the intent to drive and score and dunk it, but being able to check off, we call that a rim read, and then kick it out, right? Anytime we play a shot-blocking center and we don't have that aggressiveness, we don't play well. Indiana with Miles Turner. We've had times when Valanchunas against New Orleans in the first half, but when, we have, when teams have big-time rim protection, we have to play a certain level, and we have to be able to make those decisions, and you have to put teams in rotation, and your passing has to be on point, and you have to make shots. We just didn't do that today. Yeah, they definitely did not do that in tonight's match. Ime Udoka continuing to bring up the turnovers in tonight's matchup. Mannix, how much did that play into tonight's loss? Uh, it was huge. He brought it up. 18 turnovers, 24 points off those turnovers for Atlanta. And he also brought up a good point about how the shot selection changed in that fourth quarter. We played the third quarter real, and it was highlighted by a lot of guys. You know, Jalen Brown attacking mm-hmm. the basket, Dennis Schroeder attacking the basket, Jason Tatum taking shots that were open as opposed to forced. And you get into that fourth quarter, and it was a lot more of the three-point shots, shots in traffic. You know, that's, that'll kill you, you know, especially yeah. when you're not going for those easy opportunity buckets. And I see on this final box score that it was a sellout crowd. And I know that Ime Odoka was talking about Jalen Brown playing into the crowd. Is that really that much of a huge factor when you take a look at the talent that's on the Celtics roster versus how the Hawks have been playing? Not really, since I'm guessing there were a lot of Celtic fans there. That too? That's why I always, that's why I always find it odd when it's brought up because I'm just like, okay, like, I don't really know if that's really a huge factor out there. Don't get me wrong, like the, Atlanta, the Atlanta crowd in the playoffs is fun. Regular season Atlanta, mm, not the same. Bag. Mixed bag. <laughs> Certainly a lot of Celtic fans in that building. Look, the guy like Jalen Brown's played in front of bigger and better crowds than that before. So right. I don't think that's a real factor. They just got in their own heads there a little bit and just didn't stick with the things that made them successful in that third quarter. Great deadline approach and the Celtics, they're in the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference, struggling so far. It just doesn't look like Brown and Tatum have got any chemistry this year. Um, if you're looking at this, do they need to kind of make a move here before the deadline to kind of get back in that playoff hunt? I would say yes. I mean, a couple of years ago, we were talking about this team coming out the Eastern Conference uh, as, as the champion, uh, them in Philly. And you see that Philly has done a great job of playing at a high level, and Boston hasn't done the same. And a lot of that has to do with their two superstars. And uh, you hear rumblings in the locker room at times where, A, you know, guys need to pass the ball a little bit more, the ball sticks a little bit. 
When you look at the teams that Coach Brad Stevens has coached in the past, the ball always popped. Always, they, they always averaged 25, 26 assists a game. They did it by committee on the offensive end. Now you look at the two young superstars, and sometimes you see, oh, tonight's my night. Oh, tonight's my night. But when both guys play well, as you see uh, in last game, when both guys score over 30 points, good things happen for this Celtics team. Do I think they need to make a move? Yes. And at, at what position? I think it's the point guard position. I think there's a guy out there that can really help them, but it will be a free agent next year, and that's Jalen Brunson. Can they do a sign and train move with him early right now? He's a great leader. I think when you look at this team right now, they don't have that leadership, that leader on the ball, on this ball club. They thought bringing Al Horford back, a guy that was a veteran guy that can control the locker room for this team, but I don't think he has all the answers at this point in his career. I think you go out and get a young guy like Jalen Brunson. If you can add him to your team, he can bring that leadership uh, to your ball club, and he's the guy that can that doesn't need to score the ball to make your team really, really good. Okay, so um... so we are back. In this case, you guys. So we have about uh, 27 minutes in this case before the Celtics and the Pelicans uh, tip off in this situation. We 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 can Um, go seven ten, Danny. I mean, we can go like 40 minutes until seven ten. You know, and that will be the end of the show. Okay, so again. so the Celtics and the Pelicans will tip off just after uh, 7 o'clock in this case. So you heard the audio in this situation. You heard what uh, was said. Pretty much game in this situation. That the Celtics lost to the Hawks um, by Forsberg. Others, uh, Maddox in this case, Brian Scalabrini. Um, of course, with Hamilton with that audio there uh, talking about the uh, Brunson, which is of course what we uh, what I just asked our guest in this situation. Um, so Igor, uh, mm-hmm. continue then with uh, anything you had planned. Yeah, I mean, um, I uh, f- f- first of all, uh, Kevin, uh, you're with us, brother, right? Yes, we're still here. Uh, th- th- thank you. Uh, second, uh, I mean, like I said, we have like uh, 40, 40 minutes or so until the beginning of uh, New Orleans Pelicans game, um, and uh, Celtics are favorites in that game. Uh, I will, I will, I will, I, I will read the article. Um, I mean, I will read the article. We have, uh, uh, we have, uh, uh, I, I had article about uh, 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 win Celtics winning seven out of ten games. And do you think that the Celtics are uh, teasing us or do you think that, that the Celtics' uh, streak is real? Uh, the first win in, 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 in that uh, streak was New Orleans Pelicans win uh, 104-92, and that was in TD Garden. New Orleans Pelicans uh, at the time of the win, 13th West uh, uh, lottery team uh, played without Zion Williamson. We will see about uh, tonight. Uh, Denny, I think that um, uh, we we have uh, the good article that I shared at the page, and I will fi- find it uh, from the Celtics uh, Wire uh, about. Um, 
uh, about uh, this uh, trade deadline. Um, and by the way, uh, the rumors from Jake Fisher, uh, Jake Fisher relates that uh, uh, it is unclear how far uh, the dialogue uh, progressed. The Celtics discussed swapping Marcus Smart from Kevin uh, Huerter, uh, Herter, Kevin Herter, and Cam Reddish uh, from Celtics uh, Wire. Uh, so, uh, once again, reporter by Bleacher reports, Jake Fisher, who relayed his source, said Atlanta se- would send Cam Reddish to New York. The Hawks and the Celtics discussed a framework that will uh, be the swap between Marcus Martin and Kevin Herter. Uh, Fisher adds unclear uh, where these uh, uh, talks, uh, uh, how, how far the dialogue uh, progressed. In, it's a few weeks uh, before the trade deadline, and uh, uh, of course, uh, 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 it will take significant value in return sources set for Boston to even part with Smart, uh, of course. Um, uh, I heard from Sherrod Blakely at uh, CLNS Media uh, that. Uh, Actually, Atlanta is out of this dialogue, you know. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, there were th- those were the, the, the real uh, ne- negotiations. Uh, Atlanta wants to uh, keep the core intact because they, want to, they believe they can make a run. Like last year's, our guest mentioned that Atlanta, despite the record, they, they, they won, if I'm correct, any five in a row or six in a row. Uh, and uh, they think they can figure it out and they can make uh, a run uh, this season in the playoffs. Uh, uh, last year they were at the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, like, I, like I said, with Milwaukee Bucks, loss from Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the most pleasant surprise at the Eastern Conference. So uh, I don't think Atlanta will trade us, um, according to the sources that I heard, like I said, uh, either of uh, starters, uh, Trey Young, uh, you know, nor uh, Collins, Capella, uh, Kevin Herter, uh, and um, uh, the the another starter, uh, the fifth uh, uh, starter returned the last night against the Celtics, and you saw uh, how uh, efficient uh, that lineup is, uh, Collins. Herter, Capella, DeAndre Hunter, and Young, DeAndre Hunter, the guy who can defend positions from one to five. Uh, so, in another word, the Celtics and Brett Stevens uh, are exploring the market for Marcus Smart. But uh, Atlanta, um, they love, you know, um, their core. And for now, I really doubt that they they would trade us uh, either Herter, either uh, Collins. And I really doubt that they, they, will, they will trade any of the core guys. Uh, Kevin, I want your opinion about uh, those Atlanta Celtics uh, talks. Um, I, 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 I personally don't like trading within the conference because um, sometimes I come back and bite you in the behind. Um, I'd rather for them to go out there and maybe deal with Sacramento um, in a sense 
of getting players and trading players. That way you only have to see them two times a year, if that much. Um, so I, I, that's where I sit when it comes to the trade situation. Um, I, I, basically, I mean, I really would love to get Buddy Hill. That you, you know, me and you had that conversation a long time ago about Buddy Hill. So I would love yeah, to get yeah, that. Yeah. Happen. Yep, yep, yep. I just hope that you know, I hope that Boston call, makes me into a liar and do make some trades because I like I said before, if they don't make any trades at all, then they basically trying to set themselves up the tank and get a good draft pick and that's maybe use that draft pick to flip it to get the player they want to get um to come to Boston. We all don't know who the third score is. We need and, and, and if you if you guys really think about this, man, this is the first time we've actually They've kept everything underneath their hat about where they're going with the draft. Because last year we knew um, that they were going after Fournay. Um, they wanted the center. You know, saying they didn't get him, but we knew that going going forward. So it wasn't really a big surprise. We just we just needed it to happen. But this year, is everything staying un, underneath the cuff really good this year? So they've done a good job of not letting them out the hat. Um, I don't know if that's because Danny, you know, Danny Ainge is running everything and Brad's doing what he's doing now, but. You know, we think we know what we need. Um, he knows what we he knows he thinks he knows what we need. Um, so we'll see um, where this goes from here. Uh, Daniel, uh, what do you say about uh, uh, potential uh, talks? According to, uh, like I said, Jake Fisher uh, with Atlanta and Marcus Smart, uh, Kevin Herter uh, swap. Well, again, uh, when it comes to anything that has to do with trading uh, Marcus Smart in this situation, uh, it all comes down to me in this in this case, the contract. That's really what I'm going to be concerned about. Is if you're going to get a you know a contract basically back from Marcus Smart, then I'm hoping you're going to get something that basically can actually um, you know get you the Space we're going to need at the right time in the situation. Andre, see, I, I believe you know. You said the Andre Herder in this situation, if I'm right. If Kevin, uh, at, uh, uh, no, no, I, I, I was talking about uh, uh, the last game. Uh, the Andre Hunter returned as a starter for Fox, and they had after a while uh, their starting five, and you saw they defeated us. But uh, the player uh, offered uh, to us. Uh, you know, for Marcus Smart, Kevin Herter, a streaky shooter who showed himself in the last playoff. He was really surprised uh, as a rookie shooting guard, if I'm correct. Uh, uh, he was surprised in the last playoff uh, as a streaky shooter. He shooted like a real veteran in the playoffs, and he's integral part of their starting five. He's complementary piece to Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Uh, shooting guard and about uh, the contract uh, that you have been uh, asking uh, uh, I mean no, so, uh, so not the Andres but Kevin so, uh, Kevin Carter so, so, is yeah. 4.25 million so uh, really low uh, salary uh, ba basic uh, uh, salary and cash remaining if uh, that's yeah. what uh, you're interesting uh, uh, 69.25 according to this if that is um, uh, rookie rookie scale uh, co contract uh, uh, I mean no so I'm looking at looking at his thing now so obviously he doesn't make much uh, this season obviously in nope. this case as it's 4.2 
4.2 million, higher. but next season in this case, it jumps up mm-hmm. obviously in this case to, to right. over 14 million in this case, 14.5, and then it goes up to 15.6 and then 16.8. So I think the question is, do you want to risk the potential that you basically get taken out of the position of getting a superstar? How much mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. Of, a, of a shot mm-hmm. do you think you got at getting a potential superstar, whether it's Bradley mm-hmm. Beal or a big man that basically mm-hmm. you think mm-hmm. can come together. Do you think Herter in this case can basically make that much of a mm-hmm. difference joining forces with Tatum and Brown in this case to get you over the hump and get mm-hmm. you into the same position? Now, I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not saying get you as the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, we would mm-hmm. love that. But just get you back into the conversation with the Milwaukee Bucks, the 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, and, uh, you know, uh, obviously um, uh, in this situation, you know, the, the fourth team in this case we're, we're all looking at, uh, with the, the Miami Heat Miami, in this case. Those are the four teams, mm-hmm. yeah, the Miami mm-hmm. Heat, because those are the four teams that everybody feels are the creme de la creme right now in the Eastern Conference at this point. You know, this year, obviously, Cleveland and Chicago have kind of taken everybody by surprise, and you just got to kind of wonder if that's just a one-year thing. Next year, they're going to go back down to come back down to earth in this situation from the heavens they're up at right now in this case. But Marcus Smart right now, ladies and gentlemen, even with you on, even with them on your team, you're still in eight seats. I, I, you know, I was reading uh, a tweet, you guys. Don't do you realize? At the, at the at this exact same time last season, we had the exact same record. Yes, that's the damn truth. This that's the, yes, we had yes, the yes, exact yes. same record last season, ladies and yes. gentlemen. Last yes, season, yes, yes. supposedly with a you know with a totally different team this year, obviously, and you got the same record. So, do you feel that replacing you know Smart for Herder in this situation? Is actually going to get you better, meaning that you're not going to you're not going to be in this situation. No, twenty five and twenty five, whatever it is right now, at the fifty game the, mark. Danny, the the tweet is saying the Celtics record throughout fifty games last season twenty five twenty five. The Celtics record throughout fifty games this season twenty five twenty five. And you all have been saying that the Celtics are inconsistent. No, they are consistently five hundred teams. <laughs> that, 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 that's it, you know. Uh, about Kevin Herter, again, he was shooting 37% uh, for three. I really love the guy. Uh, about Marcus Smart, uh, again, he's expendable. Uh, I, I, I love him. Uh, in my opinion, he should have been the Celtics captain this season. Uh, he is the best, uh, the closer to the leader that we have on this team, okay? Uh, but he's not empowered to be the leader. Uh, and we see, we, we are seeing right now that uh, this leadership by committee that the Celtics are playing, no captaincy, but uh, the leaders are by, com- co- by committee, uh, the Tatum and Brown, this is not working, okay? And uh, Marcus Smart have been complaining after... Chicago Bulls uh, game, if I'm correct, that he's not empowered to create the place in the fourth period. Uh, something similar happened in uh, Atlanta uh, the other night, but uh, that's another story. 
Uh, again, uh, Atlanta, I repeat, doesn't want to trade Kevin Herter because they are uh, they love his shooting. Unlike Marcus Smart, he's tricky shooter. Uh, he's part of their core, and they want to make a run. They believe they can reach at least Eastern Conference semifinals or Conference finals uh, with this core. Returning to um, the other rumors, uh, maybe Kevin is having them, uh, but 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 uh, uh, Boston Celtics uh, targets uh, Schwartz thinks that the Celtics should try to acquire shooting guard uh, from Trailblazers Ben McLamour. McLamour is most affordable of three. Uh, he has 2.4 million expiring deal. He is hitting. 39% of threes in Portland. Um, he's not much of a defender, playmaker. Even his shooting could make a big difference for, for his offense. I mean, small improvement, more small small deal. Uh, it is not uh, it is not uh, bad, but uh, I don't think that McLamour would uh, move the needle. What do you say, um, Kevin? Say that again, Igor. I got you going in and out. Mekla, ben McLamour from Portland. Uh, Schwartz thinks that the Celtics could acquire Ben McLamour from Portland Trailblazers, shooting 39% for threes, and he is on expiring deal 2.4 million. You know what? I, I do like him because I think that he, if he would come to Boston, um, he would. Um, I think he would fit in well. I, I think he would be pass first type of guy um, before he would shoot the ball. Not that not that he's new to the new to the game, but I think that's just how he played. Um, he plays with a little edge on, like he plays with a little edge, like you know, this team and this team was this one of the teams that didn't draft me, so I'm gonna play harder against these t- this type of team. So I kind of like that, like Maglemore. Um He kind of was a guy that stuck out in in the draft. That he went the, the draft when he got drafted. He kind of stuck out to me. I like. He could. He, I could see him being a Celtic, so I kind of like him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel, what do you think? Small move. Uh, ben McLamour expiring deal, two point four million. Well, again, that would be a, a, a decent, you know, move. Opinion, like you said, you know, two point four is not going to be uh, a major thing, especially when you Big consider deal. you can maybe do it with. Uh, uh, especially when you can say you can do it with a trade, you know, one of the traded player exceptions, you know, right, you can get right. him basically maybe over here and get him to take one of the spots. You know, I think one of the biggest things that has been taking place, one of the biggest arguments has been letting go of these, letting go of the veterans to basically let the young guys come in in this situation because a lot of people feel it's time to start letting guys like Langford, Pritchard, and all these other guys, Neesmith start getting the minutes in this case. But if you can get some get some of these, you know, players who are on expiring deals or have mo- their money basically really low come in and do it with the traded player exception that you know you're going to lose pretty soon in this case to maybe make a run if you feel that you got a chance to actually do something decent this uh, this season, then you might as well do it in this case. Like I, like I just said, you know, to Mike Dynan, you can't be stuck in the, stuck in the mud in this situation and be acting like basically you don't know yeah. which way to go. Yeah. You got to make yeah. a decision yeah. in this yeah. situation. You got to be all in going Absolutely. one way 
or all in going the other in this case, which is why, you know, he mm-hmm. said in his opinion, after the next three games, you know, after that, after that home game, that home game stretch against Charlotte and Miami, in his, in his, in his opinion, that's where Brad Stevens has to make up his mind at that point, mm-hmm. you know, either mm-hmm. at, at, at that point, you either got to say, okay, I'm selling, 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 like you said, Igor, in this situation online. You know, you sell mm-hmm. all the pieces out in this situation and focus on next season at that point and say, yeah. you know, who gives a damn about the rest of this season? Or you start buying in this situation and start focusing on getting everything you need for this season and say, screw the young players in this case at that point because now we're all about championships and all about making deep playoff runs to make every every veteran out there feel that when I go to Boston, I'm focusing on winning a championship and focusing on deep runs. We're not focusing on developing players anymore in this situation until it's a, an official rebuild that's going to be years in the making in this case. And at that point, you can officially say, traded player exceptions you got, use whatever assets you got, and get every piece needed to basically build around your two players. But you can't stay neutral at this point. Um, I have more um, rumors. Um, uh, could Eric Gordon could be in green and white for Boston. Schwartz, uh, insider, believes uh, Eric Gordon could be solid pickup for Boston. Uh, Eric Gordon, uh, Houston is uh, one of the best floor spacers this season. That's what Boston needs, 46%. Second highest overall, uh, you know, uh, for, 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 for um, three, if I'm correct. And he could play a variety of roles in Boston. Um, he could start in the backcourt with Marcus Smart coming off the bench as the team's sixth man. Gordon could give the Celtics another scoring option, third option behind Tatum and Brown. Now, uh, I don't have information about his deal. Uh, I think uh, he has huge deal, but uh, Gord- Gordon is a good player. Uh, Kevin? I I I like Gordon, but I don't know if he's a I don't know if he's a fit for Boston. Um, okay. Because I think he, I think he knows he's gonna probably be a rental, but I think he's trying to go somewhere where he has an opportunity to to maybe um, play for uh, NBA title because he's been with he's been around he's been with the Clippers I think before right when they was making yes. a run. Okay. Yeah. So I I don't know if he, he would come to Boston. I, he is having uh, contract uh, information. Uh, excuse me, Kevin. Uh, one minute. Uh, uh, this season he is earning 18.2 million. Uh, the next season 19.5 million. Uh, the 20 uh, and the third season, uh, season 2023-24, he is earning 20.9 million. I really don't think wow. that we can afford Eric Gordon while having Marcus Smart on the team because uh, we are the team that. Uh, wants to stay under the luxury tax. Uh, that's I, at least my opinion. I totally agree with that. You know, I, I, Eric Gordon will probably be an upgrade because he plays good defense. Um, of course. He'll probably be an upgrade as far as shooting, shooting to turn um, compared to Marcus Smart. But, um, you know, I, I think this team, if they do get rid of Marcus Smart, it's because now they're looking to be more offensively um, sound if Marcus Smart does get traded. Um, so, I, again, I don't think um, Gordon would be the answer to that to that right there because I think at the end of the day he's more of a defensive player than he is an offensive player, but he can shoot well. Mm-hmm. You got to give him credit for that. 
Absolutely. Daniel, Eric Gordon, thoughts? Eric Gordon, one thing I would say about him, you know, he is a great three-point shooter in this case. Yes, he is. But, you know, I feel he has proven from time to time that he can be a little bit of a loose cannon, you know. Mm -hmm. And let's look at Marcus Smart. What is one issue we've had with him from time to time? You know, if not multiple times, if the man does lose his patience. And Eric Gordon... I, you know, I think maybe Kevin can probably, you know, put, can probably say whether I'm telling the truth or not. You gain the offense, but I don't know if Eric, I don't know whether we can say Eric Gordon is really that good when it comes to the defense, as Marcus Smart mm-hmm. would be in this situation. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, you get one thing, but you sacrifice a lot when it comes to the other department in this situation, and you still have to worry about that that issue that you got with Marcus Smart himself which is there's always that chance that, you know, you get a lot of the technical fouls, things like that. And so I don't think it would be worth it. Okay. Another um, proposition, Boston's uh, dream target uh, is, uh, according to insiders uh, or Bleacher Report writer Schwartz, uh, John Collins from Atlanta. John Collins is potential on the move, but could he be the Celtics' uh, target? Uh, Collins has become one of the best three-point shooting big men in the NBA. Collins is shooting 43% uh, for three, top 10 among all NBA players. Uh, he's wa- the one who uh, can also play the pick and roll and throw down some devastating dunks. Uh, he's uh, in the first season in, uh, of uh, five years. Uh, 125 million contracts, um, yet his future is in doubt in Atlanta. Putting Collins in a floor with Tatum and Brown <clears throat> and Robert Williams, the third could be tremendously forming the big uh, four talent. Um, and uh, uh, they are all under 25 and under and can become free agents uh, until uh, 2024 or later, Schwartz said. Again, uh, yes, Collins is probably my favorite player from Atlanta, but uh, uh, Collins is five years, 125 million. Uh, do you really think, Kevin, that uh, we can afford Collins? Uh, if we assume that Atlanta wants to trade Collins, saying that Atlanta wants to trade us Collins, like you said, uh, why Atlanta would uh, make Boston um, their uh, Eastern Conference fine, uh, rivals uh, stronger? And see that that's the thing. Um, I think he would be. I think he would be a great fit for Boston. Absolutely. But I don't know. Boston has what 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 Atlanta what Atlanta needs. Um, and I think that with Trey Young stating that the off that the that the regular season is boring to him, I think he put that team in a situation now where every game matters now. Um, and I, if I'm I'm if I'm a teammate, I'm like, yo, man, don't get nobody else no more bulletin. Bulletin uh, material. That's wrong for you to say that in the first place. I mean, you you're too young to be in the NBA to talk about it being boring, about the regular season being boring. Um, for one, so I think they, the bullet the 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 bull, bull the bull mark is on the mark is on them now. Um, Collins, I would like I said, I would love him, but I don't. Boston doesn't have. I don't know. Who, there's nobody other than Tatum, Jalen, and um, Robert that they would take that could help their team get better or advance. 
further in the, in, in, in the playoffs, um, which I don't think they're mm-hmm. gonna. I, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna go far this year anyway. I, I like yes, the concept yes. of five in and five out, but um, that's that's um, if they built like that, that's that should be good for them in the long run. But I would love Collins with us, I, and I think if we had opportunity to get Collins, it would have been last year. I think. If there was a problem in, in Atlanta, I think it's probably been squashed now because they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. So they know their potential. So they know they need John Collins to get there. So I don't know what Boston has that could help them advance further than what they did last year. Uh, Daniel, uh, thoughts about Collins? So you said Josh Collins, right? John Collins from Atlanta. Uh, five years uh 20, 125 million contracts is in the first year. Huge money. Uh, I don't think uh, that we can afford him, but uh, uh, knowing our policy, team policy, but uh, like Kevin said, excellent player, top 10 in three-point shooting, 43%. Uh, one of the best uh, big men three-point shooters. And of course, good dunker, good offensive player, good pick-and-roll player. Uh, overall, uh, maybe second best player in Atlanta. Well, in this case, you are looking at having to give up something more than Marcus Smart if you wanted to go that route. Yep. In this case. Yep, yep. You know, yep. Cause obviously the money is not going to work in this situation. And mm-hmm. again, the key, the key is do you feel that's going to be enough to really get you a championship? You know, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. that's the key. The fact that he goes beyond the 2022-2023 season pretty much takes you out of the running in this situation of getting any superstar in the free agency market for the 2023 um, free agency market. Remember that, you know, when it comes to the rumor that we've been hearing about, you know, Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder for Bogdanovich, in this case, uh-huh, uh-huh. why someone like me was willing to take that move was because you got a deal. You ended up getting a contract that allowed you to get a contract to get a contract that would expire alongside everybody else except Tatum Brown and Time Lord after next season. So you would basically make it where. If Brad Brad Stevens was willing to basically make sure that all he did was get one-year deals next summer, he could be a major player. The Celtics could be a major player in that 2023 free agency market where you were going to have a ton of big names. LeBron, you know, Bradley Beal, if he basically, you know, took his player option this summer, many others. But if you get someone like John Collins to join you in this case, and you still have Time Lord on this on, on this um, team in this situation, you're basically taking yourself off the market for that summer when it comes to any big-name players in this situation. You can still get a few decent players, and I'm talking players who could could be like an Eddie House, James Posey-type, you know, caliber players like you had back in 08, players that were in that, you know, department, the veterans who can basically come off the bench and, you know, are going to want maybe $10 million, $12 million, something like that. But you ain't going to be able to get nobody who's $28 million, $30 million, $35 million to basically join forces with your top two stars. So I would say in this situation as of right now, no, because John Collins in this situation, when have we heard anybody really basically putting that guy up there basically as, as a top five player or a top ten? 
okay, couple more uh, rumors, uh, and we will, uh, I mean, slowly finish the show uh, because the game uh, is ready to start. Um, according to Schwartz from Bridger Report, Atlanta should call about Marcus Martin's realistic target because he can be traded after January 25th. He is on four-year, 77 million extension in August. One of the best uh, backcourt stoppers in the NBA. Uh, enough distributors to play young uh, of the ball more and get the young superstar some catch-and-shoot opportunities. Uh, Denver can uh, uh, land Dennis Schroeder. Uh, from the Celtics, uh, uh, also uh, Golden State Warriors could call about the smart uh, Memphis Grizzlies could target uh, our Grant Williams. Uh, uh, so um, more more about uh, uh, reports. Um, uh, if it's not the only smart, uh, according to Fisher. Uh, the, the people are calling about the general managers of opposing teams uh, are calling about Al Horford. Al Horford's name has been mentioned uh, more often in the trade conversations this week because 35 years old, power forward, uh, has 14.5 million off uh, the next season, season's 26.5 million salary guaranteed for any team in search of upcoming cap relief, but uh, there would seem to be limited market for him. Dennis Schroeder and Aaron Naismith continue to label as likely trade candidates uh, by the league personnel as well. Getting out of the tax appears to remain the key goal for the Celtics uh, this uh, uh, offseason. What do you think will happen with uh, Al Horford, uh, Kevin? I think Al Horford is probably, probably going to be traded. Um, I hate to say this, but he's, his production is not where it was before. Um, and that just goes to show you how most players can help out other players be better players. And these players are not – they're not making nobody better around them. Um, even Al Horford can't even get it done. I mean, at last night, 1.16 minutes, that's unheard of of him. Um I, I hate to see Al go because he did such a good job with Boston the first time. Um, and I thought maybe bringing him back would be a help with the locker room, but I don't even know if that's helping him. I don't know if that's helping the locker room either. Um, so I could see, I could probably see Al Hartford going again, um, getting released and maybe going to a team that has opportunity to go to the NBA finals. I, and you know what? I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't, I would not be surprised if, if Boston trades him, they release him and he goes to Atlanta Falcons. I mean, go to Atlanta Hawks. I would not be surprised. Uh, Daniel, uh, so give me that name again. You said Horford. Al Horford. Well, uh, I mean, in general, what do you think will happen? Oh, to Al he will uh, be traded or remain the Celtics? Or I, I simply think we'll hold, we'll hold on to him at this point because obviously the, the team, remember we got the good thing about Horford's deal is that Horford's contract next season is early termination, you know, so you can easily get rid of him, get rid of him next year and save some money on the um, salary cap in this situation. You know, it's $26.5 million next season, you guys, right now, but you can easily get rid of him and basically, you know, chop off some of that money in this situation 
So I think that would be a little bit more valuable if you were to trade him in the off season than to trade him right now in this case, you know, and especially knowing that, again, if you keep him for another season in this case, you can still try to see where the heck you're at in this case after next season, you know, try to see basically where you're looking at in this situation going into that uh, off season that I mentioned knowing that at that time, yep. Horford's not going to be able to demand much. Remember, that contract that basically Horford got was a ridiculous contract the 76ers gave him because they were desperate to get him to basically join them because of the fact that they they were tired of him basically, you know, um, stopping Joel Embiid okay, basically Joel when Embiid. he was here with us. You know, so if you could get him in this situation to, you know, be with you still – I don't think Horford's going to be able to demand too much money, so you might be able to get him at a much more better rate in this situation this time around, a, a discount in this case, and, you know, keep him. Because Horford, you know, maybe could be a decent piece off the bench, I would say. So I would say keep him. Don't trade him in this case. I don't think he's going to get traded. You're better off trading him in the off season or keeping him just to let him basically go after next season when you get to that big market, like I said, and then maybe – convincing him if he's not ready to retire, convincing him to stay when he realizes your team might have the best shot to contend at that point rather than him going to another team because no other team at that point is really going to want to give him any real opportunity because all these other teams really ain't going to have any major cap space in the Eastern Conference. And you know what, okay, uh, Daniel, I, gotta, I, have to, I have to agree with you on that. I, didn't, I really didn't think about it in that depth. But, yeah, that, that, sounds, that sounds a lot better to me than what I said, actually. That that really sounds really good. I I I kind of I kind of I'm gonna piggyback off of what you just said. Um, uh, here is the question that I want to answer online. Uh, Christian Moore at uh, the page. See, uh, here is the thing. You are saying tank, 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 but not trade Jay. Um, it's kind of hard to tank when you still have the two all stars. I just think we need to find GM and build around the Jays and. Uh, keep the coach that can teach them accountability and discipline. Um, I mean, uh, first of all, uh, I don't say burn the team to the ground because I'm not stupid, you know. Uh, I said uh, to do the semi-tanking, uh, uh, you know, from the second stage, uh, just like all the set warriors did, just like uh, uh, Memphis did, just like uh, Phoenix Suns did, uh, Golden State Warriors uh, drafted a bunch of great players uh, out of nowhere. Uh, look at their bench. Uh, Gary Payton Jr. the second, James Poole, uh, James Toscano Anderson, uh, or the point guard I, I forgot uh, his name about, Kevin Rooney as their backup center or starting center, James Wiseman. I mean, should I continue? Or the player that we want to acquire from Phoenix Suns, uh, if I'm correct, uh, Smith. Uh, they are developing him, and he even started for the Suns. The Suns are still uh, top two teams at the Western Conference, top two teams of the NBA. They did semi-tanking a uh, couple of years ago. They got the player they want, and they become instant contenders by uh, drafting for uh, Chris Paul. I say tank this season. Again, the, the, the fans need to accept, need to accept, we are not getting anywhere in the playoffs this season. 
There is no magical trade you can do available. Uh, you know, you can do right now, hook, and the Celtics are going to be top 14. It is not going to happen. The Celtics are not going to pass the first round. Uh, I mean, most likely they will be uh, in the playoffs and they are going to pass the playing tournament, of course, if they are healthy. So we need to accept, like Danny said, we, we cannot be stuck in the mud. I mean, we must go one way or another, or another way. Okay, like Danny said, uh, I said the best way is to offload the veterans. Like I said, Dennis Schroeder, uh, not necessarily Marcus Smart. I don't have anything against him. But Dennis Schroeder, we cannot keep him. Trade him now. Al Horford, trade him now if you can. Josh Richardson, trade him now. Why? Because they are blocking our young players. I'm going to ask you, Mr. Christian, why the hell are we drafting the players when we are, uh, you know, uh, keeping them on the bench? Are they just becoming flowers on our bench? You know, just decorating our bench? What are we doing when we are not playing young kids? So we are drafting the players to be the flowers at our bench. Is that so? Do you think that that's what the smart teams are doing? Play the damn kids. Why did you come in? I mean, why did you keep dra- I mean, Marcus, Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder when you had Peyton Pritchard emerging at the bench? Play Peyton Pritchard 25 minutes per game constantly. Play Aaron Naismith 25 minutes per game. Romeo Langford, Grant Williams. Why? Because you must see who is the player for your future and who is not. And when you see, okay, so Grant Williams is good, keep him. Uh, Langford is not good, cut. Naismith is not good, cut. Peyton Pritchard, he showed that he can play, keep him. That's what you do, that's what you should do. This way, we are drafting players, we are wasting picks, and we are wasting players. And we are doing nothing. We are staying mediocre. I wrote the article, Mr. Christian, I recommend you to uh, read it. Uh, it's not just me, Andy Vernon, and a couple of other writers. Uh, the art of staying mediocre. I think that uh, if there is a word uh, for the GM and for franchise uh, for mediocrity, the Celtics should be given the golden award for staying mediocrity. Because I never seen in my life one team, one franchise, and one, uh, you know, GM that is trying so hard to kill every single opportunity to get better, every, uh, to get little better, you know. And we are doing our best to stay mediocre for a long time. And this is not good. <laughs> I hope that this answer is satisfying you. Uh, Kevin, uh, final words. Um, I, think you, I think you said it all, man. You said it all. We all feel, we all feel the same way. Um, what what the fan what the fans have to realize, and I know you know if you look on the page, you got fans that's been fans since two thousand and six, um, early two thousands. You guys got to listen to some of the stuff that we talk about on here. You know, we've been fans. I've been a fan longer than some of you guys have been alive. Um, of and we don't really talk about the eighties like that. Um, because none of these teams can compare it to the 80s or even the 70s of the Celtics. But 
Um, what we don't see in this team is the fire in that uniform when they wear it, um, the pride in the uniform when they wear it, and the way the league is going right now, we don't know if Jalen or Jason will, will end their career in Boston. And that's the sad part about it because we're used to seeing our mm-hmm, superstars mm-hmm. stay in Boston and never leave Boston and contend for conference titles um, and even get to the finals too. Um, I, 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 I thought agree. that Jason and Jason would, would be hungry enough at this point in their career that they will will themselves in the wind to get to that one, two, or three spot. But um, it seems like they're just, they're just chilling. Um, it, it, it's not a – it's – Basketball is more of an entertainment than sport, and when it comes to that, it's a, it's a problem. So that's my thoughts. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, listen, and one more word before giving uh, – uh, one more sentence before giving word to Danny for final word. The other teams and the other young players, they are making progress, and we are stagnating. This is not good, people. Do you understand it? Joel Embiid, he's having MVP season. Look at Atlanta. We just talked. Trey Young, Collins, Capella, uh, Hunter returns, young players, you know, they can make surprise in the playoffs. Look, Charlotte that defeated us with Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, he's playing like an all-star. They are having good young players at the team. I mean, I'm not going to talk about top four teams at all that Danny mentioned, but uh, the young stars, they are progressing. At Miami, you have Tyler Hero. You have... Uh, uh, who, who, is, uh, who is there? Uh, the other young player that is, uh, that is actually playing good, progressing. Phoenix, Phoenix Suns, Booker, uh, Utah, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, every single team is having the young stars. Nikola Jokic, he's not old. He's MVP. He's uh, leading at uh, Kia MVP race, if I'm correct, uh, right now. I mean, people, you have the young players emerging every single, every single day and playing and progressing, and we are stagnating. You cannot sit there in Boston and think, oh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they are the best young duo in the NBA, and they are going to uh, progress in the next five years, and they are going to take over the NBA. That is Green Brothers fairy tale, okay? And the other teams are just going to sit there, stand, and their players from opposing teams, they are not going to progress. Only Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and the Celtics players will, will progress. That's stupid. That's stupid. In five years, another LeBron James can be drafted. Do you realize that? Another year, another superstar can be drafted in the Eastern Conference. And what are we going to do? Are we going to sit here and not play our young kids. Play the kids, get the pick, and hit the rebuilding. This is not the full rebuilding. This is just accumulating the, the assets for potential bigger move, like Danny said, in the future. Uh, Daniel, your final words? Yeah, like you said, we're not going for no full rebuild, ladies and gentlemen. That's not what we meant by tank, by getting rid of everybody and then Going now five, ten years in a situation like we had to do before we got Garnett and none. We're simply saying at some point you got to admit that 
the team is not good enough to win the championship this year because there's too much competition, too many obstacles for them to overcome in this situation. And so you're better off trying to get rid of the pieces that you feel do not work for the team at that point and try to prepare yourself for the very next season. Basically, get a head start, basically. Jump ahead of the, other, of the rest of the competition. Remember, this is a race in this case. You're in a race with the rest of the NBA when it comes to the free agency market, you know, the trades in this situation when it comes to getting players. So while, this, while the rest of the teams that are trying to compete for a championship this year are focused on winning that trophy, get a jump start on them and try to get the players you know that you need in this situation. So while Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Miami are focused on that trophy this year in the playoffs, take a back seat, quit. Quit on this season because you know you're not going to win and start focusing on trying to get what you need next season before they have a chance to take the players you want. Because come this off season, in this case, ladies and gentlemen, if you let the, if you let Brooklyn, you let Miami, you let Milwaukee, you let Philadelphia, or some of the teams in the Western Conference have a shot to get the same players you want, who do you think those players are going to want to go to? To those teams that are already ahead of you in, the, in terms of having a shot to win? or to you, they're going to want to go to those teams or they're going to want to go to the major market. It's the same storyline each and every time. So Uh literally quit and tank and blow it up and just start losing on purpose because we want the number one pick each and every time. We're simply Uh saying for this season, take a break, pump the brakes, let the season go, and start focusing on getting the pieces you need for next season so that you can be ready to go in the situation. Get the players that you want to get right now for next season. Get them here early and give them the rest of the season to get used to each other with Tatum and Brown. So give them a heads up, a head, you know, a head start, like I said, for next season. So that like that next season, they've already got a half a season, basically, of being used to each other in this situation, plus whatever time in the playoffs you might have in this case as well. But no, if you people don't want to do that because you're so desperate to run for, you know, run to the playoffs, fine. You'll basically give Brooklyn, Miami, and all these other teams a chance to take the players you want come play, come the off season, and then at the same time you're stuck taking all the garbage. That's the thing. You're taking all the garbage come the come the off season because all the good players go to the teams ahead of you. It's always like that in this situation. Why do you think it didn't work with Kemba, ladies and gentlemen? Kemba came to you in this situation because pretty much in this case he wanted to come, and you had no choice to take no no choice but to take him because. Any other top point guard that was available wasn't interested. Absolutely. So literally, that's uh, what we're saying, ladies and gentlemen. Please accept it. Absolutely. Uh, great stuff, Daniel. By the way, we are leading 18 and 6 in the first period against New Orleans. There, uh, hopefully, we can make a win. Uh, go Celtics, uh, Kevin. Congratulations. Uh, your show is uh, going uh, on radio, if I'm correct. So. Uh, keep on good job. We are proud of you and very happy to have you here. And uh, uh, hopefully the Celtics can make a win tonight. And we will talk the next week. Uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, good program for you in month of uh, February. Thanks for listening us. Thanks for writing us. Uh, thank you for bombarding <laughs> our inbox. And uh, we promise to you that uh, we will uh, be better. Uh, right now, uh, we are tuning off, 
going to watch New Orleans and the Celtics. And Gino Time, uh, closing team. Go Celtics!